0: your unders. Down your unders. Review and dissection of content from some of the sharpest minds in the game. Posted by Adam Camilleri. Art of
1: War. Down Under. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this very, 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 have I said very, very special episode of Art of War Down Under. This is episode 107. This is the WTC recap episode. I've got a, hopefully, a phenomenal episode for you guys um the three podiuming countries that being germany poland and australia are both going to have two of their members joining for me joining me for half hour segments uh, the first portion of this will be a discussion of the story of their team their story of their run through the event trying to capture all the magic all the the beauty of the, of the first ever world team championship uh, and why they did so well and how their team did and then in part two if you come to join us over on art of war down under over on patreon or the art of war 40k.com you can tune in and hear about their faction lineup, what factions over and underperformed, what they felt like they might want to change about their list in hindsight, if anything. Obviously, these guys are the teams that won or got on the podium, so we'll we'll see what they're willing to divulge. And of course, um, at all times, there is a huge amount of stuff with the WTC that, that teams like to keep close to their chest. But we're going to jump straight into it. The first nation I have joining me is Team Germany. They came third uh, somewhere, somewhat out of nowhere. They really are a bit of the Cinderella story of this year. I'm lucky enough to be joined by Fritz, who played the Necrons for the team, and Calvin as well, who I believe was team captain. Is that right, Calvin? yes i was the team captain welcome to the show gentlemen and congratulations to germany please uh let us know how you're feeling about it uh i'm assuming it's an incredible feeling
2: well uh first of all thank you for having us on the show and yes it is uh, quite amazing to uh have been to the event and now now talking about it and try to recap everything it's still like not real <laughs>
1: yeah it it's a bit surreal isn't it it's, and it's a bit interesting to come back from the event and try and like get your head around just like going to a a one game singles R, like a one day singles rtt or like a gt now it just feels like it's it's so strange fritz how are you feeling about it brother
3: oh, it's a great feeling especially i mean um germany was always very successful in the etc which how it was called in in the earlier days mm-hmm. and Basically, we had kind of a relaunch with a new team with a lot of young players who um, really broke into the scene in um, the last two years, especially um, with the, um, mm. TTS, the virtual simulator for
1: Weimar. Um, yep. and, and yeah, it was, it was amazing to um, make a third place yeah and congratulations again um Calvin I understand um uh, and Fritz you guys do a little bit of content creation yourself we definitely want to give you guys a bit of service there so please let let anybody know where they can get in contact with some of the German WTC content
2: oh sure so um I do run a YouTube channel with uh my friend Adrian aka Ramses he was also at the event uh the YouTube channel is called Kings of the Hill mainly doing 40k competitive content but also if you want to find other WTC content out there um It would be Würfelbar, so it's mainly for the German-speaking people out there, or um, Breaking Heads. Um, There's also some channels, or mainly podcasts, like Target Priority, and um,
1: Black Hydra. Cool, cool names, Black Hydra. jumping a little bit in for those who do not know the World Team Championships happened this last week gone um, there was a singles event and then the teams event the teams event comprising essentially every nation that is willing or able to send a, a squad of eight a minimum of eight players to the event there is in some cases where you, if, you, if you're unable to send a full squad of eight mercenary players will be picked from local countries to the home nation um, <laughs> <Belgium>. the host <laughs> yeah, yeah um, to you know support you to pull, to field the full squad of eight I was lucky enough have to play as the mercenary team i'll be doing a recap of my run at the end of part two so if anybody wants to know how i went with my gray knights for the um, essentially the united Nations warhammer united team you can join us over there as well but jumping into the story of team germany and feel free to take it away at any point boys if you want to wax poetic but where did your team start was it formed and stayed together through COVID, or did you find you had a bit of a, a disconnect and had to reform it in the last couple of months tell us a little bit about where you started and how you got going
2: so I think maybe Fritz can say something more about what was planned 2000, from 2018 to 19, um, because I wasn't involved uh, in there and I can take over after.
1: Well, f- we'll let you, everybody know at home. Fritz, uh, the gentleman joining us to play the Necrons this year, was at his 10th ETC slash WTC. So phenomenally experienced gentleman at the absolute top level. Uh, take it away, Fritz.
3: Oh, thanks, thanks, Adam. I, I already had the pleasure of playing um, a lot of the American guys. I played uh, with Sean Nate Chester and some players who were are not playing this year, and it was always a pleasure. And we always had great games, um, despite despite um, the game being a bit more uh, harsh, I'd say, in the earlier times. But um, we, we, as Team, team Germany, we, we already won um, four times. In wow. Total yeah and it, it was always we were always striving to, to to basically um make it to the top and we had a great and long standing and very experienced player base and um but some of the players um, they they um got children and um their work um was getting more and more stressful and so they basically could not play as much for and i'm I'm very happy uh, despite um having a small small son and a lot of work that uh, it still, still works out somehow to be playing. And um, basically, there was always a standardized procedure and um, finding the team, but um, it all basically broke up um, before um, when when COVID started. Yeah, and um, so so um, Calvin and some other guys were so nice to um, put in a lot of effort to find a um, fair and transparent system, which is very important to get the community support
4: mm.
1: and um, yeah, to 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 um, help us um, getting a new team so yeah. of your of your squad of 8 who you sent um sorry you sent a squad of 8 players of course how many support staff did you bring how many um coaches or or yeah support persons well we were 12 in total awesome and um I I
2: really think that's a bare minimum a team should take. Well, because uh, everyone was exhausted.
1: Yeah, well, that's exactly the same number the Aussies took as well. I know they took yes. a squad of twelve over as well. <laughs> that's it a might, magic
2: number. <laughs> it might turn yeah, exactly
1: right. It might turn out to be the sweet spot. Uh, so one one I think support player has
2: got a thirteen or
1: something. Yeah, they went absolutely <laughs> nuts with it this year. So of your squad of eight. Um, and and, poss- and then your extended squad of 12, Calvin. How many of those were players brand new to this level of competition? And how many were like Fritz and had uh, many a, a mile under their, their shoes?
2: So the most experienced player was Fritz, um, as we can tell from the 10-year uh, anniversary absolutely. this year as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely crazy um, 10 years. Wow. We
2: had our sister's player Manuel, a.k.a. Bell. He, wow. uh, he attended at the WTC before. Same went for Fritz and uh, Fred and Matthias. Um, and also one more, I don't know who, uh, our head of pairing. So we took someone, I say someone for a reason (laughs) who wasn't playing, who only was there to do the pairing. And that guy already won the ETC three times and (laughs) also once back to back. And also he won the singles event at the same year they won the, um, so the same case as Liam Hackett. It's,
1: wow. Okay. Cause yeah, that's the same. What Liam has done has been very yeah. rare. I heard it's been done once or twice yes. before. I also heard that Germany and Poland are the only two nations who've ever gone back to back. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about Poland, but uh, I, I do know that Germany has the back to back title. Yeah. That's it's, Insane to to consider that it's so mm. hard. It's so hard to win one. Like, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, so you got a decent spread of new and old players, of course. Fritz being oh, yeah. above the most experienced. Um, tell us a little bit about the rest of the story. How? What was the selection process like? i said you, you developed that yourself with uh, some help, Calvin?
2: Uh, it it wasn't my idea. It was actually a group decision. So there was a Discord meeting where everyone in Germany could um, have attended. Uh, we had the interim's captain, Fred. And he chose two other people because that was the first time uh, we are establishing this new voting system um, to form a council. So this council chooses the player. We kind of heard the idea that Poland is doing the same thing. And we quickly realized this is actually a good thing that we should try out. And of course, there's always room for improvement. Um, and for the first year, they picked me as well as someone being a public critic. I would say, uh, and also known in a community with my YouTube channel and always being involved everywhere. So we formed uh, the council out of four people, yeah. And um, everyone in, uh, could apply, so there was there was absolutely no limit. You ab- ab- from the get go, no matter where you stand, you can apply for the German. Um, team. Um, we had a lot of sparings. We spared against Netherlands, Spain, Poland, uh, lots of other countries, Ireland. Uh, greetings to EPSI. Hi there. Um, we, we even had internal sparings, like eight on eight Germans. Yep. Um, and we had, I, I would say, 50 or more applicants. And every week we had to ditch some more. So the wow. system is everyone in the council has got a vote. um they can put um we have huge spreadsheets like pages and pages, and uh, every council member gives a player a number from zero to three. So zero means shouldn't be on the team anymore, yep. which does not mean he's bad. <laughs> it's, it's quite hard to, when you come to the top 15 or something, to give someone the zero. So he just yeah. drops because you have to make it down to eight, which is really, really hard. That but sounds... Having four people
1: uh, really is like democratic. Could you can, Next year, can you just turn this into a reality TV show? Because it sounds drama fueled and awesome. Um, it, we, we can like, call it who's going to run this bitch. yeah and g- 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 give that roses <laughs> yes <laughs> I'm yes, sorry really, your really faction job. just got nerfed and you're going home uh, <laughs> yeah that, that's basically how some of the people got ditched 100% like, it would
2: yes yeah. it was crazy yeah. and for next year so um, tomorrow actually we have the Team Germany meeting with the current team and what happens and that meeting is we're voting for a new captain Yeah. And that captain will be, according to the new system, be one of the council members for the next year. Yep. And the two first-placed players in the German tournament ranking, we've got a known ranking in yep. our tournaments, yep. where we also take uh, um, outside tournaments like um, England or Poland uh, tournaments into consideration, and they can receive different kind of Points. So we've got our own mathematical formula. Yeah. And yeah, so it's nearly sure who's going to be council in the
1: next couple of months. And uh then the process starts all over again it, it sounds very professional it sounds very efficient as well who would who would have expected anything less from germany right um, yes german efficiency <laughs> efficiency <laughs> um and yeah, it sounds like a place where people don't get to have an ego like it sounds like it's just disp- it's, yes. you take take the emotion out of it, which I think is a really is a really hard thing to do for many of us um transitioning to talking about some the the, the story through the event now we're going to talk about the pairings the sorry the matchups and and, and how the nation did in, in round by round. Um, you're, you, who was in your pod first, Fritz? Um, who, was, who did you share a pod with? And please explain the, the day one pod system to those who may not be familiar.
3: It's basically um, for the first day, you're playing three matches, um, which for a team tournament is quite a long, long day. I think it started at 8.30 and finished at um, 10.30. 10.30, tonight. yeah. And afterwards, of course, you had to prepare pairings for the next day. So it was a pretty long day and um in our pod we had um, norway scotland and uh, what was the third country spain
1: In spain in the, it, of course, in yeah. the evening <laughs> it was considered in to the- have been from the outside looking in the strongest or second strongest shark tank pod as in like this was going to be one of the hardest most competitive pods
3: yeah i think um scotland scotland um, improved quite a lot over the years and was considered a, a strong adversary and um Especially Spain put a lot of pressure on us in um, the last few years, and we knew they they were um,
1: on a good level. Mm. So you, first up, you guys played off against Norway. Tell us a little bit about the story about how this went down. Um, did, did did you guys feel like you won the pairings and then produced on the table, or was it a bit of a struggle? Give us the the blow by blow, if you will.
3: I think if 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 you agree, but um, um, I'm not sure. But um, I think the pairings against Norway were still not not perfect, but um, still we um, we managed we managed to uh, win the round. But um, I, I, what I think is very important for the pairings um, beforehand that you have a clear communication about who's playing um, which army at um, like uh, w- what's your estimate for the result of the game and um, and sometimes you have to add in more information for example um, like my Necrons um, could easily play Tau but um, only if it's a dense table with a lot of yeah. line of side blockers and you need to communicate that to the team and everyone who does the pairing needs to be aware of and it's uh, like so. Um, before before the
1: game, you need a lot of com- um, communication not to get bad pairings. Exactly right. Pairings. So round one, you guys went up against Norway. You got a ninety-seven to sixty-three point win. I'll, I'll explain, Calvin. Yeah, would explain the differential system a little bit to people at home who who may not be unfamiliar, because people will just see sixty-three to ninety-seven and and not understand yeah. how that how they come to that. Yeah. So
2: um, it doesn't matter if you lose your own game or you win your own game. Um, it's it's a team composition, so eight players uh, count their points up together. So in Warhammer, Warhammer, you normally count up to 100 points, victory points, like primary and secondary. These get transformed into the WTC 20 matrix. So if you draw your opponent, like 45-45, this would result into a 10-10. Uh, every five points of difference um, backs that one up one number or down, so, uh, a 51 to a 45 would result in an 11 9, and the maximum you can get is a 20 0. Um, so, having eight people playing in 20 the maximum you could get is 160. Yep. And also to, to win, you need at least 86 points. Otherwise, yep. uh, between 75 and 85, that would be a team draw.
1: Correct, and I one of my fears coming into this event uh, was that there was going to be lots of draws. I feel like Nephilim yeah, uh, there Nephalem is all about scoring, score, 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 score. Everybody just score as, and, and it's crazy that you can have. I mean, I've seen Necron games where both players score 90 points or more, and it's kind of insane to think. Uh, but it turns out to not have been that the case that much. Your second round, funnily enough, you guys played up against Scotland. Once again, the exact same score as the previous round, 97 to 63. You wouldn't hear about it. But tell us how this <laughs> happened, if there's any stories here.
2: Yeah, well, I think one funny story is that our Turnit list, which also was discussed, I think, on this podcast as well. Um, is a bit disgusting so it dishes out so many mortal wounds <laughs> yes. and has has like the Mortrex objective secured shenanigan jump mm-hmm. around and it, as an opponent uh, it's yeah, it's not really fun to play against with the wrong list, like uh, Blood Angels, for
1: example. Or something? Exactly, <laughs> you're just like, oh, dodge, dodge the sisters, and you're pretty yeah. clear. You're pretty clear, but it's just gonna, it's just gonna do a heinous amount of mortals. Um, so why do you say that was heinous in that in that round? Did they just not have an answer?
2: No, but I had to take the uh, enemy uh, I- into a cuddle because <laughs> oh, because because he asked me to. <laughs> So that was a running gag uh, through the whole tournament. Everyone who uh, played our Tyranids, he got my full support. I got them drinks and support. So no. you can make it. <laughs> nice. And my like,
1: Tyranid player always got pissed off. <laughs> well, in saying that, like that Tyranid list that you brought, which was extremely psychic heavy. um, And I, I reviewed yeah. it on the Thursday show, I believe, because I thought it was such an interesting take on the, what everyone else's lists were very conventional. It was really either, it was like, three quarters Leviathan and then some people took Kraken and yeah. And, and and I think it was like one or two mm-hmm. behemoths. And then there was your list. Um, your list was so unique in that fact that as long as you paired well, it was dominant. It yeah. was very dominant. But if you paired poorly, it could, it could get run over. And so it's really, I look at those lists that some people bring, those heavy skewed lists that go so far off the beaten track, especially when that beaten track is a very strong list in and of itself. And I'm like, well, they must have a very, comp- they must have a very competent player and a very confident pairings person to, to be able to bring a list like this. And it, it, did that guy drop a game for the event, that two in that two his list?
2: Only one against Poland. Um, yep. Which, which, well, I think we all dropped the ball, but the ball against Poland, which we will come to. Um, but one, one uh, thing I want to mention is this is the beauty about um, team tournaments, where you can bring lists that you should never bring to an RTT <laughs> yeah, because you yeah. get smashed over. And having someone like David, aka Death Threat, um, as head of pairing, he absolutely knows. Uh, with all the information we provide him, what he has to do to make this happen so the whole team can work together and make the win. And, um, yeah, also our GSC player and Trukari player, they were not um, built to deal with everyone. And that's yep. the thing. That's why you can take these armies.
1: Hmm. Well, especially GSC, we're going to talk about it a bit more when we get to... I've got Eric Lathuris coming on um, Mm. Team Australia,
2: and he... Yeah, ask him, because I have no idea what's going on there.
1: (laughs) No one else gets it, but Eric gets it. No, some of them have two arms, some three, and maybe four arms, and that's it. Exactly right. So your round three was uh, against Spain. Now, this was the one... This was the game of your pod. This was like... One of you guys is getting up and one of you guys is getting down. Two very strong nations, very proud as well. Is there any story here, anything to unpack about this matchup? Because from the outside looking in, this would have been the match of the pod, the one I would like to watch.
3: Yeah, Fritz,
2: do you want to say something about your game?
3: Actually, um, yeah. At first, I played the Grey Knights with my Necrons. Yep. And I estimated it would be a um, small win if we played um, defensively and um, paid attention to um, just keep scoring up. Yep. Because it was a very a very closed map, and I couldn't like um, get all in, or or um, he would get heavy um counter charges. So um, basically, um, w- what we did, and some anecdote insight, the German team everyone had a, a small orange dice, and um, we used it to show the um, captain, showed Calvin, um, <laughs> what our estimate yep. of the game, how it is going currently. That's brilliant. So um. So four four would be a draw, a three would be a small loss, a five would be a bigger a, a, a win, and a six would be a big win. And I, I I always had the dice on a five. Yep. And then I was be- getting a bit bit more careful because my opponent attempted an all in move and really threw everything at me. And I thought, oh, um, this might turn out um, difficult, but um, um, he made some positioning errors, and I basically could smash him afterwards. So I was very very, very lucky to make a twenty zero. Which is, which
1: rarely occurs if your opponent doesn't um, do kind of an all in move. I love hearing about these little nuanced things that different nations do in information wise, how a, a lot of countries really, like I said at the start, a lot of, a lot of countries really keep a, a, a secrets in about how they do, th- everyone does things same, same, but different. Like, you know, one wants to use the same system as another, as another country. So we don't give away information, but uh, hearing about how you guys do the little dicing, that's, that's quite clever. I like that a lot. Um, and yeah, Germany went up 91 to 69 versus Spain and Spain. Nice on the 69 score uh so you guys got through your pod undefeated mm-hmm. Yes, well done uh next up is the one to talk about so this is your matchup versus poland so you went really close to the sun here straight to the top and played one of the big big dogs how did this how did this one go tell us the story here because you guys lost this round
2: yeah so first of all shout out to poland because they were really great opponents like all of the opponents we had uh, throughout the whole event. Um, thank you, Ines, uh, for, for, uh, the captain from Scotland for the alcohol, <laughs> Norway, of course, for being such good sports. And, uh, I, I helped them as well because they are, for example, one of the teams that had no support stuff. So the captain was playing and they were only eight. So I told some of their members, uh, what was going on on the other members, uh, because, um, uh, Patrick didn't have any time. um, and Spain was one of the harder ones, you know, like yep. really elbow bumpy, but still friendly and competitive. So nothing going on there. And for the match for Poland, we were really looking forward to because we have a like a good relationship right now with Poland, um, which we are proud of because um, their captain, Typhus, is just a wonderful man yeah, and uh, a, an outstanding player as well. He was actually non playing captain like me and i would have been happy to even spend some more time with him um uh, i even got his shirt which sadly was stolen but i will get a new one that uh, he promised me maybe at the LGT. and um so coming into the pairing against poland we knew they were really really strong and having our um spreadsheet open right now we only had um paired for a 3.8 which uh, so if basically a 4 would be a draw yeah so a 3 3.8 is just below a draw so it could be a small loss um i think their list having um so much experience um and our pairing didn't go that way we wanted. Snowballed into the rest to make it easy.
1: <laughs> well, so it's a, it's a great testament to you because I'm I'm not going to gloss over. They did just pretty hard. Like it was 106 to 54 They that, that's a solid win by Poland. And Poland uh, on the international level is kind of considered the measuring stick. Like mm-hmm. if, if you can hang with Poland, you're a, you're a Great team, um, and you guys butted up. You guys took it on the chin and came back strong, and you know got a podium. So absolute testament to your resilience, um, as a squad and your morale. Because I mean, the people can take a loss like that and get their heads down, and then you know that loss turns oh, yeah. into a that loss turns into a draw into the next round, turns into a loss that should be a win into into the next one, and all of a sudden your whole year's work could be down the gurgler. So absolute testament to you there. Next round, what'd you guys go up against?
2: Yeah, so. That was um, against Belgium. The problem was we knew Belgium and Poland were in one group. And Belgium yep. and Poland, they draw. Drew, yeah. They, yeah, they drew. And I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to tell my team to be supportive, to tell them, hey, guys, it's not over. Everyone could get a loss. And the funny thing that happened that actually Mohawk will always laugh about. Greetings to Jay. Um, we sat down. Uh, t- 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 at the lunch table <laughs> mm-hmm. and we were a bit, yeah Fritz, I would say we were a bit down right
4: mm.
2: so yes. so of Definitely. course y- you just had a loss but then we, fa- I mean now the people can laugh but we made it uh, we thought there would be a top cut yeah. and we thought we couldn't get up there with the loss right now <laughs> so <laughs> then we found out and I went to the judges and they said, Hey, is there no top cut? Uh no. <laughs> Are you sure? No. And I blasted off to the team, said, No top cut, guys. Come on, Chaka, come on, we have to do this. All right. And the laptop back up and blah, 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 blah. And everyone was really, really hyped again. And yeah, we went into the pairing. We outpaired them by miles. And then we outplayed them by miles as well. And they were they were Brilliant sports. I mean, Tom and his guys—they were super cool, and but we really had that push of energy and used it to get that win. And that win also completed the day. Like for us, we said, "Like, look what we just did now. It'll we we lost show. against Poland and then beat them who drew uh, Poland, and that's all right.
3: Let's go on. And we can still get that place on a on a podium. That is important."
1: Yeah, yes. t- how are you feeling after the end of day two? You know, you just taken an L versus what is considered to be the strongest international team, and then butted up and got an even stronger win than Poland got against you against Belgium because the scoreline there was one hundred eight to fifty two. How did you feel after day one? Oh, so after day two?
3: Yeah, especially in the game Poland. I played Skark um, Jakub, um, yeah, who's um, I, I think one of the long- longest playing Polish um, players. Ever, He's a monster. And a straight yeah, up monster. Is. Basically, I-, I played him at dozen of times or a few handful of times and um it was always and um, vice versa and um, one game he won then i won the next one next year then he won again and he said oh last game you won so this game i, w- I will win <laughs> I, was, I said we'll see but actually he, he, he won and
1: then that then, was the tau player right
3: yes exactly
1: so yeah. uh there's a couple of polish players who are widely considered to be in the top five, top three, top ten, whatever you want to cut it, to best players in the world. And when you can get even one win out of five against one of those guys at this level, you're doing pretty freaking well. Um, Your game six, so going into the final day, you're playing against Sweden, who are who are usually a top five side. They're like considered to be yeah. a side that could, that could make the top five get a podium pretty much every year. They're another very strong um, national team. How'd you approach this one? And uh, was there any stories or any little bits of uh, nuance to it?
2: Yeah, so Hazelberg is the uh, captain, right? Mm hmm. He looked. He looked like a, a, Vin, a, v, a Vin Diesel, a Swedish does. Vin
4: Diesel.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap! And also, we we have a Vin Diesel as well on our side, our G C player. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's that's the first mission. Pair them up, up against each other. No, but for, in all seriousness, I had a talk with him and the French captain one day earlier that we were really looking forward to the game. And Hesselbeck also knows, like everyone, he like does. he he could he could. Uh, tell me all about all German players uh, that came up to the pass. And he was asking about, hey, how's Caillou doing? How's Simon Erding doing? And I told them uh, what was going on, and they were uh, really looking forward to play Germany as well because it's some kind of a tradition, not as good as Poland and Germany is, because I think Fritz maybe can say something as well. Um, Germany has always played Poland on uh, on an ETC, like every time, right? yeah it's 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 like constantly happening tradition it hasn't been any year yeah i don't know how they make it but maybe it's an adriani thing or something
1: so so fritz in your in the the, the story of fritz versus poland how many wins how many losses so far oh that's a good question i i, I think we um won a bit more often than we lost spe- oh,
3: um, especially in the old days well and um, to to be honest um the first few years in the ETC, when we played Poland, it was kind of a grudge match. So it was there was a lot of tension on both sides, and um, everyone tried to play the game to the letter. So um, very precise, no, no, not forgiving anything. And um, it, it changed when Typhus came into the team, and later on we said, "Come on, guys, let's um, get a bit more friendly." And and then we since then we are friends with with the
1: Polish team. Well, that's good, because I've got the I've got the Polish lads coming on in the next segment, and I was like, uh, <laughs> can I get Fritz to talk any smack about the Poles? Let's, let's see what we can do. Um, but anyway, you guys smashed Sweden, 118-42. Yes. How did that come about? Because if I had to guess, I'd be like, this is going to be a small win or a draw, because I thought you guys were about strength for strength, about as strong as each other, from the outside looking in, that is. So what was the story here? How did you guys get such a big win? Pairing. You just outpaired, which uh, is uh, outpaired with David. Yeah, yeah. So, d- is it anything so in particular that is, they did that, had, that caused this? Um, I, I don't.
2: I don't have the information um, who they put down as defenders, like the second one. But we had the first match is our Tao on his map against their AdMag. Their Ad had like eight chickens and other yep. stuff. Yep. our, our Tao had first turn. Seven chicken died. Whew. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> So okay, let, let's come to the next matchup. We had our sisters against their Blood Angels. Okay, let's have a fight in the middle. But sisters will always out out trade score yeah. them. Yeah. Like uh, no no question asked. Then we had our Fred Trukari against the Chaos Knights, which uh, we said, Yeah, that's fine. We're gonna make a 10-10 out of it. Yeah, exactly. Right. And we had our Craft World against their sisters. And I haven't beaten Craft World ever with my sisters. So this is normally a win. The only thing that we said, ah, sorry, man, you have to live under the bus there, and the team is going with the bus over you, <laughs> is RGC player. We just threw him against Imperial Knights because we didn't have a second answer. But they really thought that their Tyranid player could beat our Tyranids, which we were happy to take because Uh. normally that thing is a big win for us. Yeah. Because the other Tyranids really estimate and underestimate the power of our uh, Tyranids if they are not really, really specialized with what is going on in the list because everyone is seeing the list as yeah that's mortal wounds, yeah, I know, I know, I know, but there's so much shenanigan going on um you have to be an internet expert to really outplay um that list, and for the other two lists, it was just okay one, one thing was going on um our death guard, which we haven't talked about, um he's now called in Germany the Azariani butcher. <laughs> He had I like this. I don't want to lie. I think 6 um, Elder matchups. And-, and he won 5 of them. Wow. one of them against Spain 17 to 3 against the Hail of Doom Elderlist and against the Harlequins of Sweden he went 15-5, wow. which is like okay, unheard <laughs> of. Yes. It That's, absolutely is. And uh, then Fritz had his Necron game uh, against uh, their Tau, right?
3: Yeah, exactly. It was a very different Tau list. But, and I was a little bit afraid because he had the um, commander, the um, uh, Coaster commander, which had the special um, burst cannon that could take however um, many wounds he, um, he caused to a ton. So no
1: cap to three wounds. Yeah. So I had to play a little bit more defensively here. Fair. Um, well, Awesome, freaking round, guys, and congratulations! That puts you into a position to potentially—I think you were—you could have come. I'm not sure if you could have come first at this point. Going into the last round, there was round. one one theory one to get. Yeah. First.
2: Yes, yes, uh, we needed 144 points against USA.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so they, they literally had to sleep. They had to go asleep. In their games, that they all no had to pass out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you guys played USA in the final round, which was essentially, for all intents and purposes, going to define at least one position on the podium. Um, they came fourth. You guys came third. You guys got a freaking draw with the USA getting the better side of the draw. 83 to 77 is the way the mm-hmm. scoreline reads. There's got to be a story here, boys. Fritz, take it away with oh, yeah. uh, with your matchup. <laughs> what happened there, mate?
3: Oh, it was, um, it was very interesting. I played uh, against Brendan. And yep. um, he played. He played the sisters, and um, I was very, very, very uh, interested because uh, uh, Brendan is one of the new guys in Team USA, mm. and um, he was playing very aggressively. He's, he started the game, and um, he um, had won. Uh, he had a Rhino where he um, put um, his cannons and a big unit of Repenters inside, and yep. uh, which he scouted forward because you, um, with uh, um, with quarter quarter deployment zones, you can easily um, put a lot of pressure on your opponent yeah. and get some first turn charges with a scouting Rhino. Um, but um, I used a unit of five flate ones, which I put in the center, and um, then we had some discussion about um, about the Necron um, pregame move, not not having to be nine inches away from the Rhino. So basically, I could manage to um, put the flate ones in a way where he only could um, move on the side through a forest and basically not get any interesting charge. Mm-hmm. And so um, he was surprised that I do- didn't have to um, be six inches away. And we um, said, okay, move his Rhino a little bit different. But basically, um, I think that kept him from putting all the pressure on me. Yeah. And um, he used one Ruin, which was um, more forward and put basically um, almost all his army behind the Ruin and some some units in the, in the Ruin. And um, in my first turn, I made about 21 mortal wounds with my son, <sighs> with yeah. me, because he was exposed too much. And um, then he wrote three sixes for moral checks. And basically, um, the game was almost almost done. Oh, wow. But, but we had an amazing game, and we always played it with intent. And um, we said, no gotcha moments on both sides so everyone expl- always explained what he was um, planning to do and what was the co- what the consequence would yeah. be like for example i, I had this hex mark destroyer who can deep strike in what he brings in reserves yeah and um i explained to him and um um after, after, after he put in his reserves and we we were talking about, about it again and he said okay that um now i understand what he does um, so um, let's let's move this unit there and another unit there so um just to be very fair and um, have a nice game
1: Brilliant. I will say that um this being my third ETC WTC, I think the, the sportsmanship at this one was, it was better again than the previous one. Um I think it's really gone up another level on sportsmanship and um yeah. Uh, Calvin, tell us the rest of the story of this round, because this was this was a defining this got you the podium getting this draw and it was a close draw. You guys could have you drop what, four points and it's a loss. Yes. Yeah.
2: So um, we we had a meeting till I think two or two thirty in the night, and yep. we uh, we we were finished pairing against Sweden, and then um, David and Fred uh, came up to my room, and we were talking about hey, so if we beat Sweden uh, next, uh, mathematically is America, so whatever happens, US is next. Okay, um, so what are our chances to be on the podium? Or where where we're going to be ranked? We said um, we only need a draw to be in a podium, but that's not what we want. So nice. we paired for a win, yep. and I, I think American or, or the US uh, guys they felt that why we were pairing because we could have paired for just go for the safe draw, have the matchups that turn out as they normally turn out. And don't go for any shenanigan. So the first thing we did is have a towel mirror. And we yep. knew whoever stars wins twenty oh. And that game was over before our Jukari player was setting up their unit. Wow. That that's how fast yep. we knew what was going on.
1: You're not wrong, man. That's how it goes. Yeah.
2: So we planned for an estimate of ninety six points for the win in the draw, if we win all the flip coins. I mean, you can't calculate for the flip coin, but after that, it was like a seven on seven, <laughs> being 20, 20 points um, in the back. <laughs> hmm. So uh, it was really tight. Uh, my job and David's job got really, really um, like messed up. We had to be everywhere. We had to yep. be, I mean... Shoutouts to Bradchester and Nick Nanavati, but um their game took a lot of effort for <sighs> many people <laughs> being the last game and yeah uh, yeah, even Jay uh, had his time at that table. But in the end everything worked out and we were really, really happy. The only thing is, just so everybody knows because people on the internet starting to say, well, I think Germany can't pay. Why would you go for the tower mirror and, and risk losing? Uh, maybe they're tau as shit. No, that's not the case. It's If our tower would have started, it would have been 20 the other way around. And then having the 78 points, I think, no, 70, 78 or 79 wins that we had would have turned to 99 points. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it just and win. we
2: would have we would have basically just win against the U.S. So after figuring out okay, it, uh, the Tau player a uh, Tau table is not working as we thought. The Turinat table isn't working as we thought because we thought we're gonna smash him like Vanilla, mm-hmm. but it it didn't. Our had whiffed. So I said, guys, pull back. We need a draw now. Mm-hmm. There's there's no opportunity for a win. Well and it came down to the last table against Richard Ziegler and the Trukari, which was so
1: close. Yeah. It's uh, a testament to use the, you to be able to have that flexibility, and that is one of the strengths of having a a strong unified squad and good coaching. That you can tell people, okay, so our, our our window to win this has closed. Let's get all the boys in line, play for the close wins, the close losses, either way, and get it back to a draw. And the fact is, you paired for the win, and then and then yeah. was, were malleable enough to then transition into the draw. So I think you did it right, no matter what the internet says. Play oh, yeah. to play to win and then adjust as you go. And if your your squad is strong enough, you'll make the adjustments. But transitioning into our final segment before we sign off here, boys, um, I suppose Fritz is the best person to answer this initially, but what if anything defines Germany's identity at the at the world level, at the international level? Like what he is known for? What's your personality?
3: Actually, I, I'd say um that we're always trying to be very effectful and um Neutral. It 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 changed over the years. We we got some more empathy into the team, but um we always try to go strictly by the by the facts. We try to take the strongest possible team, um just on effect base, and we're trying to um to like reflect on ourselves, not to be um driven by um emotions too much, and let let it blur our vision. Yep. And it's it's very um, what was very helpful this year with Calvin not having to play, he could always reflect what was currently going on and adjust the team's position on
1: um, that. Yeah, beautiful. beautiful, um, Calvin. It, you're pretty much here building towards the future with this national team. What, if anything, would you like to instill, or uh, what do you th- what are you hoping to bring or build in this culture moving forward? For, from like from my skill set to bring to the team, or oh no, what are you hoping to craft? As, as, as the German mm. identity on the world stage. Now, we're, especially now we're into the WTC years, we're, we're no longer in the ETC years. Yeah. Yeah. So um,
2: I know that uh, the team from 2019 and, and players before that have already started to um, improve the, how would you say, um, how people see it to play against Germany. Like if you yeah. see next pairing, hey, we're up against Germany. Oh damn, that's going to be hard. Can't we get some someone else? Um, instead, I want them to have like uh, like Poland has it with us right now. Yes, it's Germany. This is going to be a bloody war, but we are all going to have fun. Like yes. it's going to be fair
4: and be gentlemen about it.
2: Mm. Probably one of the hardest matchups at the event because we want to bring our A game all the time, but we don't want to play winning at all costs, uh, which we definitely don't. And um, that's what I want to, I would just want to make sure Germany has a good name as it has right now. Um, And it had in the the past with some of the most brilliant player out there. I mean, Simon Erding, you can ask the ETC, nearly every ETC player who's been there a couple of times, they know the skill sets about these people Simon, um, Caillou, um, Jan Heidrich, and, and so on and so on. These are exceptional players out there. Uh, they are like small little
1: Ronaldos running around at the table, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, gra- it's crazy, dude. Brilliant. Well, on that note, we will wrap up this first segment. We're going to go over and record a part two now where we're going to go through your faction lineup, the players, what what and you know how were your players faction specialists were they on it for the very first time how do you build your lineup or weigh up which factions you wanted to take which factions over and underperformed and what if anything would you change about your list or your lineup in hindsight so please come over and join us over on art of world down under but stay tuned because this is the first of three segments on this episode and we're going to be back with the polish powerhouses um in just a few moments fritz um, my man, thank you very much for coming on. My great pleasure and honor to have somebody with such experience joining me. And Calvin, absolute legend and captain of your, well, now captain of your community. Maybe you'll get him for another year. We'll see. <laughs> uh, I suppose your council's going to decide. But, dude, thank you both very much for coming on and sharing your thoughts. And yeah, anything you'd like to plug or say before we close out? Fritz, go ahead. Uh,
3: it was a pleasure, Adam. And um, it's it's always great to see all these people from all over the world and, and special shout-outs to um, Sean, Naden, and Nick Nanavati, Bradchester, and all the cool Polish guys we've um,
1: I, I've, I've known for years. Dude, thank you so much. we well, uh, stay with us, guys. We'll be right back with the Polish lads. And uh, yeah, thank you very much, Fritz and Calvin. We'll see you guys over in part two, guys. And we are back. Hopefully you guys enjoyed hearing from the wonderful Team Germany, who came in third. But moving on from the bronze medalist to the silver medalist, I am now joined by the uh, ever fearsome juggernauts of the international community, Team Poland, who came in second place. I'm joined by the wonderful Patrick and Pumba, double P's. Don't know how that happened. One of them is nicknamed, one of them is not, but they're both absolute champions of the community. Welcome, boys. Welcome to the show. Hello, and
5: very nice to um, have you first invited.
1: My absolute pleasure. I'm I'm loving being able to do this show and uh, highlight some of the, well, some of the really well known European players and uh, nations on the the international scale that maybe haven't had the light shone on them as much as they should have for uh, how powerful you guys, how strong you guys have been. So, you guys come from Poland. So, straight up, you guys are the most successful, fearsome. I in the previous segment I called Poland the measuring stick as in if you could hang with Poland if you could get close to a win or a draw against Poland you you are just a strong team just straight up doesn't matter if Poland's got their best team worst team doesn't matter it's just you're just you're you're doing pretty well um how does it feel firstly playing for team Poland and how does it feel to come second in the very first WTC I'll hit it over to Pumba first
5: so um the the basically what you've said is true and it is kind of a great responsibility to actually present a country with such history mm. although in the international tournament scene so it is something that is definitely weighing on you especially if that's your first wtc as it was for pretty much all pretty much all is is an overstatement but a big part of our team was new players this year so that's a, gr- a big change that's absolutely come
1: up. yep um patrick uh how does it feel to to represent Poland? And how does it has a feel to come second in your very first WTC. If this is your first, sorry. Uh,
0: yeah, this is this is actually my, my first uh, uh, WTC or ETC. So uh, oh, I was kind of new in the team uh, for for this event, and it was a big pressure for me to uh, to play the to play there to represent the country and to represent such a strong team with a long tradition. So. Um, there' was of course this preparation period. We played a lot and uh, it's, it was a, 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 also a part of this preparation was uh, at least for me to deal with this pressure. So but the feeling there uh, to, to uh, play on WTC uh, was really, really great.
1: Amazing. Uh, that's what we always want to hear, because with great pressure and co- great expectations, you guys achieved a great result regardless. Um, question, um, how did your team start? Was your team that you guys you stuck together and held together throughout COVID, or did you disband every year and reform every year when the, the WTC didn't happen?
0: Uh, actually, uh, we... Uh, um there's no no such thing as disbanding the team and uh, reforming uh, the entire selection process. More or less, was uh, continuous for for the COVID. So if um, there was a, um, uh, two years ago, there, there was a canceled WTC. We basically we got already got some input about the players, the uh, uh, how um, players managed to to. to Uh, in in test games and so on Mm -hmm. and we gathered this input and this was already a starting point for the next year and the next year uh, WDC was was also cancelled so we repeated the process and uh, uh, so basically in this year we got like a two years of selection uh, experience
1: yep well, that, that would go a long way, wouldn't it, to, to keeping things strong, keeping things moving. So, um, Pumba, I think you mentioned that most of this year's cohort was new to this level of competition. How many new players did you have, and how many um, old veterans did you have on this year's squad?
5: I believe it was five new players. Um, yep. You can correct me if I'm wrong, Myson, but I think it was five yeah, new I, players and, I, and three veterans. Uh, wow. <laughs> the thing yeah, I, is... Yeah, Actually,
0: four, because uh, uh, ah, yes. one of us, yeah, yeah uh, we get a last minute replacement in the team. So
1: Yeah, I'm definitely going to ask you about that. i got a couple of questions for you regarding that uh, a little bit later on. But sorry, are uh, you going to say something, Pumba?
5: Yep. Uh, so the big part of, uh, I think I can give some insight also on the selection por- process and how it looks in Poland, because I think it's quite interesting for mm-hmm. the national community. Uh, We don't have such thing as like one captain that just chooses a team. We do have our own ranking system as well in Poland internally, but it's not actually a big part of how the team is selected at the moment, or at least it wasn't during the COVID times because the ranking and the the tournaments were practically dead, right? Yeah. So uh, the system is kind of uh, every major city, every central play has its own um, head representative. Who then chooses the selectors from the people interested in doing so, and then these all choose the actual 8 men team, which is quite interesting because it's very democratic in this way. I believe so. We both, me and Mason, are both the, the, the representatives of their communities
1: that 's a that 's a big responsibility as well I suppose to to put it into terms for the western communities it 'd be like your i t c rep your local i t c rep for your state in the United States or Australia or the United Kingdom or you know other, other European nation um, being the person who chooses the people to be up for selection for your national team so it 's a bit of a responsibility um on your heads how many so just uh, quickly to count off because I know Poland is a very unique country when it comes to this kind of competition how many people were up for selection for the team for this year's team mm.
6: oh, Mason.
5: I
1: think like 20 <laughs> at least uh,
0: yeah it was um, start, uh, the starting po- point was uh, like uh, 30 uh, yep. but uh, the, the final final process was a b- 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 People who who got uh, into the final selection, you know, there was uh,
1: from 16 to 20 uh, players. Fair. That's pretty wild to think. Um, And, I mean, absolute testament to the skill of. Uh, your nation that you could take five new players to and come second i think the only only, maybe the only team in the top 10 that could have exceeded you if if i'm wrong but i know um, america in the top five also had six brand new players this level of competition you guys did a a couple a, a damn couple of places better than they did um even then um but moving on to our next couple of questions um What is the story of your team? I know there was a little bit of hardship that came through. Your team captain Typhus was going to be a non-playing captain. He was there to be like the maestro, the glue that stuck everything together. Uh, Then some adversity happened. Um, uh, Whichever you guys want to jump in and tell the story, uh, please take it away.
5: I think I can do that because the the player that was supposed to uh, play with us, crazy, uh, he's from my city. He's a good friend of mine as well. And he was basically, we were um, participating participating in the selection process, process together basically we both agreed that we are going to try and do that and and try to compete in WTC this year so it was very heartbreaking for me to learn that and probably for him even more that's obvious um uh, that's <laughs> needed to say but when he learned that uh, in the weekend preceding the WTC he got COVID oh, from geez. some random some random uh like, family meeting on something. Mm. And that was also a very severe case as well. I don't
1: think he has recovered fully to this point. Wow, part. that's really rough to... Firstly, to miss out on the very first one. In addition, the guy missed out on a, on a silver medal, essentially. Well, Poland won. I really believe he still was a part of the team.
5: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like he, yeah, yeah. He, he took part in every... like in testing, in the preparation process, he gave Typhus a full rundown of the army and how it plays every single matchup he got. And every um, single um, evening, he was giving him full detailed Amazing. description of every table he Amazing. was supposed
1: to play on. So, what was he? What was Crazy supposed to be playing? What was his army? Which army did he pass over to Typhus? Uh, that was Drew Curry. Fair enough. Okay, so not an easy army to just pick up. Um, that is true. In this meta, Drakari is a pretty hard thing to wield. Um, I'll, be talk- I'll be talking to the Australians later. And I know my, my one of my main men, Matt Morisoli, uh, who came third in the singles, he struggled quite a bit with Drakari in this meta. Um, so Typhus, your captain, had to pick up the slack. He's, a, he's pretty famous for being a, a very strong player. So, But yourself, um, what did you play, Patrick? And what did you play, um, Pumba? So um, I
5: was playing, uh, sorry, <laughs> I was playing uh, a Tyranid Warrior spam, a Leviathan 36 Warrior spam with just some support <laughs> as yeah, a backline.
1: Well, I, know the, I knew the list. As soon as you said uh, I was playing Tyranid Warriors, I'm like, oh, it's the Oops All Warriors build. I remember I had, to do the, I, I had to do the the pairings matrix, my score, I put, put my score in for that one. I was like, oh, it's Oops All Warriors. Uh, what were you playing, um, Patrick?
0: Okay, so uh, I played the Harlequins, uh, pretty much the standard build with some uh, special tweaks in the list. So uh, basically light uh, Harlequins with eight boats, uh, eight uh, uh, troops, and uh, some um, characters to support.
1: Beautiful. Uh, yeah, and I remember reading your one, uh, I was almost next, and I was like, oop, it's all boats, because it was like five, eight Harlequin troops in eight boats. They're just going to go everywhere, score a lot of points, and even if it did lose, it wouldn't lose very hard. Um, can I ask you guys about the morale of the team following um, what happened with what went down with Crazy? Because that could be the kind of thing that can get a team a little bit down. You know, you go through the pairings and the preparation with one of your teammates, you expect them to be there, and then they're not. Did that leave a bit of a hole in the team? Did that give you guys any pause or give you any concern?
5: Definitely. I can speak for me. We didn't talk it like um, we didn't have this kind of team, let's say, meeting talking about it or how everybody feels but i i definitely felt that team got a little bit down yeah um especially th- there were so so many parts like of the machine that just kind of broke a little bit right so that we are missing the player we don't have this uh, non-playing captain that who had like, a lot of jobs to fulfill during the actual rounds yep he couldn't focus as much on the pairing process so we definitely felt that at least me uh, but I think also we were very focused, and in the, in the meantime, we spent so much time that we were not gonna
1: give up without the fight. Love it! I love to hear it. Love to hear that resilience. Yeah.
5: Um, so yeah, we needed.
1: Yep,
0: uh, we just needed to, to, to focus to find the solution to, uh, to this problem. So we couldn't do anything about this. So we we just focused how how can we overcome exactly. Uh, and then, uh, me and Pumba supported typhus in the pairing process. Uh, so if he was tired uh, after playing the game, so we could uh, support him and uh, just help uh, to make right de- decisions uh, exactly. and one thing worth mentioning is the our amazing team of coaches, uh, which took over the uh, captain responsibility and looked through the games, and um, guys make, made an amazing job to, to support us all.
1: How many support staff did you guys bring along? Uh, two. Two? Beautiful. Well, I would have been three with Typhus, Yeah. Yeah. that is correct yeah so three it looks like a three to four seems to be the sweet spot the australians bought four the germans bought four you guys bought three in effect well you're supposed to have brought three um so yeah everybody out there your teams you know one per every two to three players on your team sounds about right let's jump in and talk about your run through the event now who was in your pod your day one pod uh, so we got uh,
0: Belgium, uh,
1: Denmark, and Switzerland. Not an easy pod by any means. Not the hard. I don't think it was the hardest one out there. It wasn't the biggest Shark Tank, but it wasn't one of the easy ones, which the Americans got. We'll talk about that possibly when I, I, have, I have a little bit of joke with the Americans. Um, but your first round was your, your first round pairing was the story of round one for me. For me, as a as somebody who likes to commentate, and if I was going to pick a round to put on stream, if I had the choice to stream any matchup in round one, it would have been your round one because it was versus Belgium, and you guys had a little bit of history versus Belgium. So what was, what was the story behind this round, guys?
5: So we went yeah. in, I think, well-prepared. Um, but... Uh... By the way, I'm, I need to say this. Uh, Belgium United, by the way. Not just Belgium. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it's pretty much a coalition of European states at this point. And I must give shit, uh, shit for that. Uh, especially to Tom. I love you, Tom. Uh, you're a great man. But I will still uh, joke around that for a while. Uh, but yeah, going back to the actual topic. I think we went in prepared. Um, but I th- also think that actually what's happened, because... um. We draw that round. Uh, What happened is we actually didn't have enough prep in some of the
1: key matchups that we got. Interesting. Um, Unpack that for us because um, there was a little bit of story before this because um, Belgium had played you guys, I think it was in the Home Nations competition or it was in a couple of scrims on TTS or in person. I'm not too sure. But the story was that Belgium was getting closer and closer to being able to hang. With, with, with Poland. And like I said previously, Poland is the measuring stick for everybody at home. If you can hang with Poland, you, you're doing fine. And not only did they hang with you guys, they got the better side of the draw. It was 81 to 79. So what were those key matchups that didn't go as well as you wanted to? And um, what changed, if anything?
5: I think the key uh, to unpack this pairing was the fact that we really believed our Tau could handle Blood Angels when picking the table. It turned out to be untrue we got 5 to 15 in that matchup and we kind of did all the pairings around getting that and solving it this way whereas we could have done differently if had we known previously that this is just not going to happen
1: yeah so you worked hard to to ensure you got that pairing possibly even sacrificing some other people to to, to less beneficial pairings to get this one and it didn't produce for us so that's a very interesting to see see how even in eight different individual matchups one of them can tilt the whole result so you still got a draw so events not over we know you guys came second so things mustn't have on badly in the next one the next one was you guys played against Denmark and I'm just going to say you guys did terrible things to Denmark 125 to 35 that's a uh, oof that's gotta that's gotta suck <laughs> Was this a revenge round? You guys were were you guys a bit angry with each other for for a drawing against Belgium? You took it out on poor Denmark.
0: I believe that we we were not angry uh, at all. We just uh, a draw happened, so we fixed our estimations. Uh, keep, um, tried to keep it professionally, yep. uh, so um, we don't make the same mistakes uh, in the federal pairing processes. So. Um, and uh, uh, we treated this first uh, matchup as a um, something like a warm up uh, yeah. to, to to get uh, um, in the mood to to play there uh, play play further. Uh, so basically, uh, uh, I think that the pairings against Denmark uh, went quite nice, and uh, we managed to get uh, a few very very good pairings there.
1: Uh, so that that's why this uh, huge result, huge result, exactly right. Your round three pairing, you played off against Switzerland as well. Um, how did this one go? It was a, another decent win, one hundred and fifteen to forty five. Were there any great stories here or interesting bits that came out of this round?
0: Uh, actually, it was so late <laughs> in the
1: evening that I don't <laughs> don't
0: remember it. correctly. That, that is totally
1: quite true. Quite true. That is <laughs> totally true. Um, so, for those of who do, don't know, um, in Day one, you play three rounds, so it was, it was a seven-round event. Day one was three rounds, four-hour rounds each, with usually a bit of a gap of an hour, forty-five minutes, half an hour in between, and then you go straight into pairings, get your table straight into another game of four hours, and it's it's a long freaking day. Like I said, I think the Germans point the tournament in the previous one, I can't remember now, but I, we wrapped up this day past ten thirty. You know, it was ten thirty, was diced down. So once, by the time you pack up get your stuff together, go out and get some food or try and find something to eat. You're back at your hotel past midnight a lot of the time. Then you got to get pairings together and get your mind settled in for the next day. So you got another good win there. How would you guys feel after day one? You'd, you'd, you'd drawn around but gotten two very big wins leaving the pod. Um, how were you feeling about the rest of the event? What was your mindset like?
5: I think main main definitely main feeling was just tiredness, as you have said previously. Uh, But at the same time, I've at least felt very motivated. Because after getting that first draw, and especially having like five new players in the team, right? Yeah. And the competition has changed so much during these years that the ATC didn't happen. You're never sure that you're actually this good. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) There's always this doubt. Like, I know I'm good but what if
1: <laughs> i relate to that a lot i uh, every uh, so i played in my third one i remember the first one i rocked up and played my first game and i got a one point win one point over a draw and i'm like okay i'm not awful okay cool at least <laughs> i'm not awful i can do this i um, mean every year it seems similar. So i love hearing that other people feel that way as well that gives me a lot of solace all right uh going into day two who'd you guys play first up that was team germany Yep. Well, this and that is, was a big one. This is one to unpack. Tell me the story. These guys, you guys beat these guys by uh, 106 to 54. So the biggest loss that they took in their run was this round, and they came one slot below yours. So there must be a story here. Who wants to jump in?
5: I think I can do that. Um, so yeah. Go our, I think the the main thing that's kind of let's say solves this matchup, these pairings at least, because. Yep. Um, when we talk about matchups, we will usually talk more about the whole pairing and how it went than the individual games, because that's basically how we think about the game at this point. So I think what happened here and which continued to happen along the way is Myson with Harley's getting the craftwood elder. <laughs> I have heard about yeah. <laughs> this. I have heard about this. Over and over and over again. Do you have ego coming to the tables? Uh putting down Craftworld Elder as their first defender, and we were so prepared for that to happen.
1: I need At to ask you. Every single game, yep. I need to ask you, Patrick, how many? How much had you practiced into Craftworld Eldar? Because you did terrible things to the Australian Craftworlds, you did terrible things to Brad Chester on the American Craftworlds, and it sounds like you did terrible things to the German Craftworld player. Was this just... Are you just a specialist elf-killing monster? Tell me.
4: <laughs> yeah, I,
0: actually, we have prepared this very, very well. We needed some kind of response uh, to the Craftworld, to Head of Doom list, so... Uh, and we... Dis- Tested the Harlequins versus the Craftworld uh, uh, a couple of times. I also played uh, this the other way around, so I played tested this uh, as an Elf Craftworld uh, uh, player uh, and tried to stop the Harlequins. Uh, but uh, basically, there's a, one one thing in this pairing: if you uh, if you try to play uh, something I call a smart game with Harlequins versus Craftworld Elder, then you will lose because you're trying to exchange on the objectives and the crafter or are just more efficient in that. But if you just um, switch off your mind for a second and uh, ask yourself, what if I go aggressively with everything I've got, just uh, strike to to, to the opponent's deployment zone? What happens then? So, we see the results. Uh, Basically, the Harlequins, if if, if they play a very aggressive game, uh, to the front, Craffle Elder just kills half of the boats, maybe five boats sometimes, but everything that's uh, that's left just kills the the elder really really uh
1: efficiently yeah like if if you're just exposing one to two of your boats every turn the Eldar can kill the boat and the contents every turn whereas if you give them all eight boats and all eight troops and solitaire and troop master and everything they just they just get overwhelmed is that what you're saying
0: yeah exactly and also the uh i i had a uh, uh this troop master key uh toolkitted into this pairing so i can uh, ignore invuls so basically this the uh, this one can actually kill a farcier or or every psyker that, that the uh,
1: elder player gives me it just won't go so for everybody at home when i talk about um ha- having a faction specialist or flipping a pairing this is exactly what I'm talking about. I'm talking about having a specialist or specialized player or two in your team, in your lineup, that are so extremely good and practiced at one or two different matchups that when your opponent, who the craft world player, thinks it's going to be a yellow or a light green, it's actually a red. Because the guy they're playing into, who, you know, you, if I was to look at Craftworlds versus Harlequins, depending on the mission, depending on the who gets a table pick, I'd put it as a yellow to a light green for the Worlds. I'd say they should either draw it or get a, or get a little win. Um, but the fact is ver, that versus Patrick, that is a red for World Eldar. They lost every. You, you beat him every time you played him, yeah? Yeah.
0: Three, three, three times. Uh...
1: Monster. You're uh... a monster. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love these stories as well, and that can be enough to tilt around, like you know, because that can have a, such a flow-on effect into others. So, moving on, who do you guys play next after that? Um, our the next, next point was France. France yes. Yeah. Anything to talk? To, anything to talk to? Here? How did this round go down? And was it streamed? Were you guys on camera for this one?
5: Uh, two of the our um, tables were streamed directly, yep. and all of the row was like kind of um guys just walking around and, uh, yeah. and giving the, the the audience the insight of what's happening
1: so french uh war, tabletop wargaming i believe is what it is on twitch apologies if it's wrong go check it out you can watch this matchup yourself um you got a pretty solid win again 114 to, to 46 i generally think anything over about 105 is a is a, a anything over 100 is a, is a good win everything over 110 is a dominant win anything over that is you you slaughtered them you smashed them um any big stories here any pairings that flipped anything you went particularly well or didn't go well
0: one thing yep. w- worth mentioning here is that uh, this time the uh, craftful defender just uh, didn't go for for Haroldis so actually there was a a, a moment in pairing process they uh, put the uh, craftful list hail of the one uh, as a defender and they selected the the other attacker from outside so
1: Wow yeah Fair enough, so that just didn't go for you. Interesting to know that you guys knew so precisely that Craft would be going up as a defender so often, and then you had you know, options to hunt them at all times. Um, so yeah, another big win. Here we go into the last day. Now, going into this one, you guys have got one draw and all wins. You are poised, if you have a good day three, to win the entire event. Um, how did you feel at the end of uh, day two?
5: I think uplifted, I would say so yep we got two massive wins against very good teams it that did. we knew were we really good doing really good and i think this is what this was exactly the point when
1: we felt that we are actually as good as we thought fantastic you felt justified you felt like you validated you meant to be there i like to hear that you went into day three knowing you were going to be playing the united states yeah that is correct. All right, how did you, how did you approach this matchup?
5: Hmm. The same as every time, nice. by uh, spending spending what was it three and a half hours in our hotel, being, <laughs> uh, just unpacking every single matchup. Yeah, because that was quite a quite an interesting evening for us. Because at least this time we had some time, some actual time after yeah. like going out, uh, having something to eat, and and going back to our place. Uh, we took every single player from our team, and got, went pairing by pairing, list by list, one by one, correcting every single thing we might wow. have gotten wrong. Wow,
1: that's a big that deal. That took
5: like three hours mm-hmm. to do. So
1: every every that means every single player went through every single list again as a group. Yeah, so group analysis. That is
5: that's a, that's a uh, big not, deal. Maybe not a group, but at least a like couple of people, uh, like four yeah. people at the same time talking about how we feel about this. Yeah, how they might play Which it is into very, you. very interesting because yeah. during that process, most of the pairings got bumped down. <laughs> <laughs> and from a pretty nice table to work with, yep. we ended up with uh, what we call a f- uh, an autumn pairing table. Ah, yes. Which yeah. is filled with reds, um,
1: green, uh, uh, yellows, yellows and and oranges. oranges. So, you as talk, as- so everyone at home that he's talking about his pairings matrix. You know, when you look at your your grading of pairings. Everyone will go down through your, their opponents list and grade them. You know, usually on a traffic light system. When you say it's an autumn pairing, that means there's very little green <laughs> on that pairing. That shift. is very good. Very <laughs> little good matchups, and yet you boys won this matchup. It was a ninety-five to sixty-five, so pretty close. Ten, a, a ten-point shift anywhere here, or you know, two. Points change every game. This is a solid draw. What went well here? And I know I know, we already know that the Harlequins, you guys flipped the game on Brad Chester. He was actually a little bit down because um, I don't think they quite saw this one coming. But Patrick uh, is a bit of a monster. Flipped the game. And I think you... Did you 20-0? Did you 20-0, uh, yeah. Brad Chester? Yeah. That's a good,
0: good mission to, 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 to play. To 20, yeah.
1: so. so they got hunted and yeah, got a bit of a... a they thought it was a beneficial pairing. And unfortunately, Brad... Got put in the bin. Um, what else went well for you this round? And where? Who shone? Who, who shone through? Apart from Patrick, of course.
5: Uh, definitely Skark. I think Skark is someone that uh, our tower player. Yep. Uh, which I think is worth mentioning for the international community, especially who is. He's the player in our community that is uh, basically the granddad of the uh, Polish 40k community.
1: At this point. So uh, when you when you talked about the two or three guys, the two guys on your team, three guys on your team that had been going for years. Skark is one of the names I hear get thrown around year after year as being one of those guys who's possibly, in some years, possibly the best player in the world. In some other years, top five or top three best player in the world. But he's a monster. He's he's a terrifying player. Um, so yeah, he's, he pulled three for you. Who did he play against?
5: He played against uh, Necrons. I think the list was by, by Mark, Mark Perry. Mark Perry, yep. Mm-hmm. And he's done
1: a 19-1 a victory well done to mark for getting a point <laughs> <It was laughs> basically a, yes yeah. uh yeah he's that skarks that kind of level of player um and mark is, he mark has is no attended every single etc that has ever happened uh yeah there's there's something to say about t- playing against a dude who's counted amongst the best in the world and has pl- had that much experience in addition uh, it's, it's terrifying um anyway 95 to 65 that puts you in Pole position going into the last round, round seven. You played against my boys, the Australians. And this was essentially for first place. You both had exactly the same um, win and loss coming in. Um, One draw and all wins. How did you approach this matchup? Where did it go right? Where did it go wrong? Uh, Patrick, you want to lead in? Um, Okay,
0: so basically... We needed uh, uh, just a draw to to win the event, uh, or maybe just, mm, mm, yeah, uh, basically a draw, Uh, but uh, it it always happens if you play for a draw, then you will lose, but we are not doing that, we are playing for a win, of course. Love it. so for the pairing process, I believe uh, we made uh, just just a small mistake in the end. But uh, from our ma- matrix, uh, it was uh, uh, looking uh, quite good, if I recall correctly. Uh, unfortunately, there was uh, uh, yeah, this was day three, uh, and uh, uh, some of the players might got some some um, uh, might got. Already exhausted and, and so on. So it was very hard matchup for everyone. For just everyone, uh, yeah. So uh, basically, was what was uh, just need to recall what was what were the pairings. Uh, we got a two uh, good matchup. So uh, again, uh, me versus Uh This time, the no, no, not 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 of doom, but uh, quite more challenging for Har- Harlequin's variant. Yeah. And. And uh, our uh, renegade gate Knights player was playing Trukari. It was also a very good pairing, and uh, yeah, we got one mirror, so Necrons versus Necrons. Uh-huh. Uh, this was a quite co- quite a swing because uh, we knew we already knew that uh, it is a swing and, and a gamble to play. Yeah, and uh, Pumpa, Eurogame game versus uh, Tau, I believe, was also a
1: uh, yep. bit of a swing. Yeah, uh, so the end score here was 68 to 92, and that was the score line that put you guys firmly in second place and Australia unchallenged as the only undefeated team. Um, Pumba, tell us a little bit about how this matchup went for you guys, and um, on reflection, if anything um, occurred in the pairings or anything got flipped against you. So um, the
5: situation here, I believe, was that Australians just had really and like not standard lists let's say and i think it's well like known now that these lists were very precisely designed into the meta into the actual um, team environment even more so than ours and i think what happened here is we just didn't have enough time to especially after the nflm changes came out that to focus on those exact lists and test them 100 times
1: so yeah that's a very real thing you just said there so there are a couple of nations out there that do this Uh, i'm proud to say australia is one of them we will focus in on what everyone else is taking and then we will change 500 points of it to make it different to make it play a little bit differently, so that when other nations practice into base archetypes, like you know, you practice against Leviathan, as you practice against um, standard Necrons, etc., etc., your practice isn't relevant, isn't as relevant against Australia. And I believe um, there are some other nations out there. I mean, you guys have been famous for it in years gone past. And so you're saying against Australia, you felt like that gave them the edge? Definitely.
5: Definitely. We've practiced a a lot, lot. Like, hundreds of hours of games has been played have been played uh, before the event by our players but i think almost none of them were against those specific lists because when you have so little time and actual you know jobs uh, lives families you just need to focus on some things that are come are more just probable to happen
1: exactly right so we
5: practice yeah. a lot about uh, against team uk's uh, list for example or usa's list or Germans, uh, French lists, for example. Yeah. So there wasn't
1: enough time to focus on those specific, very specific lists that only Australia brought. Beautiful. Ah, uh, that's gonna be music to their ears. They're gonna be coming up um straight after you guys, and I'm I'm gonna let them know. I mean, credits where the credit is due. Yeah, they're gonna pat themselves on the back. It's gonna be terrible. Um <laughs> But uh <laughs> gentlemen, you guys came in second. Definitely nothing to be, you know, to be sad about. You guys absolutely did amazingly, especially with so many players at their very first one. Transitioning into our last couple of questions. What is it, if anything, that you believe defines the polish identity at the international level what defines your nation's uh, like level of play ability style of uh, of um, performance or you know flavor of 40k
5: that's a very interesting question pretty tough one if i would say uh, i think focus yep. i think we are really focused around playing this exact system which gives us the edge during the actual tournament so, our community yeah, is very competitive Focused around the differential scores and not the win draw lose system.
1: You guys don't play anything else, do you? You exclusively play WTC like almost the whole nation over, yeah?
5: That is correct.
1: That's singles as well. I love it. I love to hear it. It's such getting a whole nation behind you in dedication, I think, is extremely powerful. Sorry, um, Patrick, you were going to say?
0: Yeah, um, uh, this focus. the community focus is on uh, the entire WTC, so the entire community is behind us, they, uh, they support us, they um, usually uh, tell um, tell us also their uh, thoughts about the specific pairings. so the entire Polish community is focused on this single event and also and that's, that's uh, uh, something amazing to also feel as a part of a team right now, it is uh, a really really good
1: feeling that's uh, a lot of people are behind us. Exactly right. I, 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 dude, I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm really jealous <laughs> of that in Australia. If we- I,
5: may, I need to mention just how the Polish community has become one in the recent years because of the pandemic, because of the online play that has happened, the TTS stuff. The, we have like a national Discord that is just a center of the community life now. And it's very... In the previous years, it's been very um, common that we ha- you have centers of play in major cities like Warsaw, Krakow, um, Tri City area, and they are kind of closed and j- only meet for those um, national events from time to time. Yeah. Whereas now that has completely, um, it is gone. Basically, we are we are now a- an actual Polish community. And everybody knows each other and supports each other and uh, is focused around helping us prepare for the
1: event, for example, as a team absolutely amazing and like i said i'm very jealous of that focus that dedication that support um in saying that gentlemen i think it's time we wrap up this segment and move over to progressing into part two where we're going to talk about the lineup of factions you took what did really well what maybe underperformed overperformed anything you change in hindsight your level of practice and preparation etc etc do you some of the nuanced bits for people at home to see if they're at the level that they want to make a run for one of these national teams anything you guys would like to plug uh, before we wrap up i know there's a team poland um wtc i think um content creation starting up uh, let us know a little bit about that if people want to jump on and support the squad
5: yep uh so we have because of the the recent developments in in our community especially and some people are being more interested in that we are planning to launch an official team poland podcast which has been a thing for years now but it uh, it has traditionally been only in polish like reviewing content and stuff, and we are slowly warming up to doing that in English. So the more international, um, uh, we have, we can have more inter- international reach in that regard. Yeah. Yep. Um. And with that comes yep. probably some kind of crowd uh, crowdfunding service that we plan to use to actually fund our international trips because the the this WTC as well as uh, just. Things become more expensive over yeah, n- time. nothing's
1: getting cheaper, is it, boys? Exactly. <laughs> it's all getting more expensive. Exactly.
5: Yeah. So, uh, if keep an eye uh, keep an eye out um, to the Team Poland 40K Facebook page, and we have already we already have a YouTube channel called uh, Team Poland 40K. So keep an eye out because uh, some things might be coming in the future, uh, and they are in the
1: works currently fantastic thank you so much for coming on both you fine gentlemen we'll go over and record part two now but yeah thanks so much for sharing your thoughts well done again to team poland coming in second place the uh, the juggernauts of the first wtc straight up legends of the community and yeah can't wait to see what you guys produce next year congratulations again and yeah hopefully we'll hear from you soon uh take care and good night gents
5: thank you very much for having us thank you.
1: All right, and we are back for this last segment of this pretty auspicious episode. Now, I know you guys know who's coming up. I know I know who's coming up. And I just need to say, these guys are fucking the sitcoms. These guys are top shelf legends, national hero, crazy ass motherfuckers. Samus is going to have to bleep so much of this. I don't give a shit. This is like one of the most momentous occasions that's going to happen in the history of 40k or tabletop wargaming in my country. And I'm here to tell you, it's absolutely motherfucking amazing to have these two gentlemen with me, to be able to tell this story, to be able to be part of it and to ever be there, even though I wasn't on the team. And there's, there's no part of this is my win or any accolades should go to me, but holy shit to just stand on the outside and watch these magnificent guys who I know have put in hundreds of thousands upon thousands of hours of work and dollars into making this thing a reality. I am so very, very grateful to them to have them both on. Thank you very much for coming to join us. Eric Lathouris, the captain, and Liam Hackett, essentially the guy who won it all. Welcome to the show, boys. Thanks,
7: g'day, show. guys. G'day. Oh, <laughs> Oh, I love that
1: line so much. Uh, it just encapsulates the, the, the culture of Australia of Australians overseas just taking the piss. Anyway, boys, you won. You did. You did a thing that we we essentially we tried to do in twenty nineteen. We didn't make it, and then through buttering up and going again and going again and going again, twenty twenty one. 2022, you guys won the freaking thing. Firstly, Eric, the captain, how does it freaking feel? How does it feel to win the world championships? The very first one,
7: man, it is unreal to be honest. I think it's still, I don't know about the rest of the guys, but it's still setting in for me. It hasn't really, uh, hasn't quite, doesn't quite feel real just yet. So it's uh, pretty amazing,
1: totally fair. Liam, how do you feel, mate? And essentially, you won the singles, won the teams won the top scoring player in the teams and won best sport. So you've got like the four different hats on right now. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, the the only
6: hat I I didn't win and definitely don't deserve is um, best painted. I mean, the silent (laughs) King's face was literally painted with orange felt pen Um, So in in terms of hobby skills. I think I'll leave something to be desired. Um, But no, it it feels pretty awesome. Uh, It feels pretty vindicating after a couple of years of really, really hard work. A lot like Eric, it doesn't really, hasn't really sunk in yet that, You know, we've been saying for a while, we think the Australians contest their medal against the rest of the world. And it sort of hasn't sunk in, I guess, for me that we're right. (laughs) Like, it still feels a bit
1: surreal, to be honest. Uh, I can only imagine. Um,
7: By by the way, those four hats only just fit Liam's head.
1: (laughs) Each one of them. I
7: I actually wear one
6: on my nose, two on my ears, and then one on my bald spot alone.
7: Somebody
1: please make a meme of that. Liam coming home with his four hats and it's just yeah the anyway. solar pulse meme is already real <laughs> so uh jumping in i've got a bunch of questions that i've asked i've already we've already heard from the germans who came third we've heard from the Poles who came second we're here to hear from the gold standard of, of competitive 40k right now my lovely australians and i can't say how proud i am of you guys but let's I'll, I'll gush a little bit more later tell me the story of this team eric you want to kick it off you were the captain um going into 2020 and then through a couple of false starts how did you handle that how did you keep the team together and how did you stay hungry and thirsty going into 2022
7: well it started at the games workshop right i just went down there asked seven blokes who were keen and, and uh...
1: <laughs> that's how stacked australia is right <laughs> nah look
7: it was um obviously uh, adam you were there at the at the end of 2019 like it was uh, we went through a lot of crap like trying to hold the team together. Everyone was pretty shattered. Um, so starting starting fresh again was pretty difficult. Uh, so just, I think I think the Australian team's going to have, like if it's going to be the most competitive it can be, it's going to have the same backbone most years. Uh, so that was our starting point. And then it was just a fair few months of just trying to work out as a team who we thought was going to best fit the rest of the lineup. Totally. Um, but yeah, it was, it was hard, man. Like... We had a fair few people come in and out of the team over the three years, especially getting cancelled, uh, trying to stay motivated when it kept getting cancelled was pretty rough. Like a lot of people were borderline just ready to just call it quits and forget about it. Uh, so keeping everyone on track was ridiculous. Would not do again. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it all ended up being worth it, I guess. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was great. Uh, it, was, it was fucking awesome, actually.
1: <laughs> Undeniably awesome. So, Liam, I know you were there for the entire journey. You came in 2019. You actually... So, just listen about this for a second. In 2019, Liam Hackett, the guy who's now kind of wearing four hats, as we'll continue to say, uh, was a prospect pick. He had not yet won anything of note. He was a perpetual podium, top five everywhere, but hadn't really cemented himself as one of the... Well, now, possibly one of the top players in the world. And now, come three years later, you are... A, a monster, a juggernaut of the of the international tournament scene. But in 2019, you got on the you 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 were a prospect pick at that point. We're like, we reckon this guy has everything we need. He doesn't have the results to to back it up just yet. Even though now, undeniably, you do and you did. Like even 12 months later, you did. Um, how does it feel to go from from that in 2019 to this in 2022?
6: Oh, geez, look, it, it's been a bit of a roller coaster. Um, and you know, like you said, I've got a few things on my resume now, but I really felt like Uh, for me, 2019 was a really big honour, um, especially with some people like Eric sort of championing me uh, in the team at the time, giving me that shot, because I've always kind of been the sort of person, not just for 40k for other stuff, that you give me a goal to work towards, and I'll try and rise and get above that. But if if all you do is sort of, you know, play like local events and stuff, once you're doing okay in that scene, I wasn't really that hungry to get better. Um, But, you know, I I always tell the story uh, a couple of years ago, I thought I was really, really good at 40k, and I I versed a, a certain person who happens to be in this uh, recording right now <laughs> who clobbered me into the ground at an event called Oktoberfest in Brisbane. It was totally And told me that I was basically not hot shit at all. And that yeah. kind of made me really, really hungry to get better both uh, you know, on the table and off the table in terms of attitude and wanting to grow. Um, and 2019 made me really, really hungry for more. And I kind of just been <coughs> lapping it up since both uh, in singles and team events. Um, it feels pretty awesome. When I went in 2019, I went and I was, I was so nervous it was my first event outside of the country. I really didn't know where I sat compared to the players in the world. I always tell the story as well that uh, for the singles event, for the, uh, the the ETC, which is what it was back then, the ESC, the singles, I spent three weeks knowing what my uh, first round was, and I spent three weeks preparing for that one game. I literally had, like, charts and diagrams and all sorts of Pythagorean nonsense, like, ready to go wow. play this game. Um, and and this time, this time I went in um obviously i put in the hard yards to make it work but i went in this time knowing that, that i could compete so you know i think you are uh, you know this time i really felt very vindicated that all that hard work and all that time that we put in really paid off
1: and did it ever mate especially in your case winning the singles like i said um and winning coming first in the teams as well when you when you broke down everything um Absolutely momentous achievement. Let's talk about the the team lineup for a moment here. How many of your players for this team of eight um, were new players, returning players, and what was kind of the level of experience across the board? Yeah, I think we had,
7: what was it, seven? Yeah, seven lads that had been to ETC yep. before. Um, I mean, a few of them for from a couple of years back, like Matt Jackson hadn't been since it was in Greece. Yep. Uh, the only new guy we had was uh, Chris. Um, and i tell you what, the, the effort trying to get that guy on board over six months was uh, – it was tough, but it was definitely worth it. Uh, he, he's a weapon. And and we kind of said if we're going to bring the best team, like Chris, Chris should 100% be in that team.
1: Uh, I was Chris, personally, I
7: was personally so
1: happy you guys convinced him to go because he's like one of the, the unsung champions of um, – Australian 40K. He's like one of the best players no one's ever heard of and and that's just a bit of a crime, I reckon.
7: Yeah, man, I I agree. He's a a beast. (laughs) He's an absolute beast. Uh, So
1: in saying that, apart from Chris, everyone had been once, possibly some people uh, were on their third round. I think Hayden uh, Ducky was on his third. uh, Simon was on his third or even his fourth.
7: Yeah, I think... no, yeah, three, three for Simon as well. Yeah,
1: yeah so there's a, there's a bit of depth there, but nothing compared to some of the, some of the, the 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 German or Polish lads we've had on before. Like there was a gentleman from. Um from Poland, Skark, who's who's an absolute legend and and, uh, one of the best players in the world. And he's been to every single one, every single ATC, every single WTC. And so, Australia, we got nothing even comparable to that level of expertise. Uh, And yet, you guys did so well. So, jumping in, we're going to run through your round-by-round pairings and then get a bit of the story of the journey through the event. Who was in your pod?
7: So, we had uh, Finland, Greece, and the Warhammer Undivided team. Oh, i never heard of them. (laughs) (laughs) um but your I, first i think mean, they had vladim in the in the leadership box i think
1: yeah some guy named vladim spearhead spearheading things yeah who who, who never, never heard of that guy he ceased to exist the moment the the team's event ended um but your first round you played against greece now eric uh i, I think you are of uh a greek descent is that correct yes how did it feel to do something so terrible to uh, you, what, you know part of your heritage? Because you guys did them by one hundred and eighteen to
7: forty two. Yeah, well, actually, I, I played against their captain, so I think we were playing off uh, the title of King of Greece. I think. So. <laughs> uh,
1: one thing uh, I want to think this may be a contributor to why Australia got best sports, but that was almost That was almost a meme bet for every round. Yeah.
7: Yeah. Literally every round.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, so what was the big st- – any big takeaways from, from this round for you guys? Was there any story to be told here?
7: Yeah, I mean, like, respect where it's due. Uh, so we, we were of the opinion that 90% of our prep into other teams would go into who was in our pod. Um, I know I know some teams think that's probably a crazy way to handle things, but, like, we, we were of the opinion if we get through our pod – uh, on a, on high morale and just coasting through, that we'd be going into the other days feeling a lot better. Um, but I'm pretty sure we spent weeks stressing over who's going to play the Greek Tower list. <laughs> yep. And out of any list in the event, um, like that is easily the one we stress the most about. I think we played probably 50 percent of our practice games into that list.
1: Why was it? I mean, uh, uh, why was it such a mess? Tell us the story there. Why why was it giving you such
7: a mess? It's just so skewed. Like there's it was like ten. 10 vehicles plus the bombers and the breaches so it's just just it's such a nightmare to handle if it goes first so that was, was the absolutely the, horrific to look at down the table yeah. it was yeah. the so we're, so we're just trying to we're like well this is like if we can hold that list down that's gonna really make things a lot easier for us um, so we're working on that and it t- turns out we didn't do that anyway so
1: <laughs> <laughs> So you spent weeks stressing about it it didn't matter anyway and you got the win regardless That's pretty hilarious. Well,
7: we- and we just got dumpstered by it anyway. So, so that was cool. <laughs> who took the Who took the L for the team? Uh, so before we went, I said to Matt Jackson, he's like, do I need to practice against this? I'm like, there is no way on earth you're going to end up playing against this. And even if you do, <laughs> and, there's no level of practice that's going to save you. Yeah. And if you do, everything else has gone really well. And so he's like, okay, <laughs> I, won't, I won't practice against it. We get to the end of the pairings. And I realize what's about to happen. I turn around to Jackson. I'm like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so that is melee based Imperial
1: Knights versus nothing but ve- tower vehicle. Hey, this guy had what? He did have three Hammerheads and long strike, triple Skyray, triple Devilfish. Yeah, and double bomber, and double and double <laughs> bomber. That's oh my god! Um, yeah, if if you if you have any if you have any knights coming into your turn two, congratulations, you're doing better than than everybody. Hashtag pray for Jackson.
7: Pray for Jackson. Yes. Jackson's <laughs> warm up into WTC took about ten minutes.
1: <laughs> oh jeez, poor guy. Did he even go first? At least Did he get a turn with his army. Not I I oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord! All right, round two. You guys are going into Team Finland now. Team Finland were touted. I mean, looking at your pod, you guys in Finland were the big dogs in that pool. Finland is usually a top 10 side. They are pretty strong. Although there was always the question, I think I mentioned this in the previous segments, who's going to come out of COVID stronger? Who's going to come out weaker? Who's going to come out about the same? And so people are really interested to see some of these um, heartland European countries, how their community stuck together and whether they came out uh, better or worse. This was a 105 to 55 win to Australia. What was the story here, Liam? Who did you play and how did it go?
6: Yeah, so um, I spent a fair bit of time uh, looking at Finland's lists because I actually thought their list lineup like, in terms of this construction was really, really good. I agree. Um, yeah. For me, you mentioned before, you know, I've only been once before, so I know which teams have done well in the past, but I don't really know many of the names, many of the faces. Um, I ended up playing, it wasn't Finland's captain, but he was a fellow who had assisted quite a lot with pairings. His name was, was uh, Sammy. Um, And my understanding was that um, quite a few of the Finland regulars actually weren't on the team this year. So, again, the people that I I probably wouldn't know anyway, I wasn't really aware of who was who. Um, Sammy was playing uh, Halo Doom Eldar, and and it was a pretty, pretty brutal game. We were playing uh, Recover the Relics, which is the mission where you don't get CP if your opponent's on your deployment zone. Um, And so I think he actually was the captain. My apologies. And um, basically, I went first in this game. I was really, really aggro with all the Necrons. I was on every objective. I think he got one CP over five turns overall, (laughs) um, which is pretty rude, especially when I wrapped him turn one and made him use Desperate Breakout. So he spent all his CP in the first turn. So he had zero CP for basically the entire game. Um, It was a very, very rough game, and it was a big 20-0 win to me.
1: I mean, no surprise, you're going to hear that a lot from Liam because, like I said, he came first in the the rankings of individual players throughout the team event. So, I mean, we're we're going to get to the end here. I'm going to ask who took points off you, Liam, and we're going to give them accolades because that's pretty much more of the achievement here. Um, Eric, was there any wider story of this round versus Finland? Uh, Well,
7: just I want to touch on Liam's tactics there for a second. I don't know if you've ever seen Ice Age, Adam, where the (laughs) sloth just... His head into the into the floor and drags it along the ground, just going forward. Yep. That was what it was like watching Liam doing his first turn. <laughs> just just shovel everything into his opponent. <laughs> just yeah, Wait, full hey man, send. Come, on,
6: come on now, there's a lot of tactics that involve him just moving twenty seven scarabs and just throwing them at your opponent. <laughs> yeah. A lot of strategy there.
7: Yeah, yeah. You, you get up, this so you're bad. So. <laughs>
1: Love it! All right, you're round three. You played against my team, Warhammer Undivided. Now, I have a little bit of story from my side of the street. I approached this game with extreme levels of anxiety. <laughs> There's, this this round made me really anxious, and I'm happy to say it was a dream to play. I played against Jeremy uh, Marigold Martino, whichever one name he wants to go by at the moment, and his sisters. And he pretty fairly put me in the ground. Um, but yeah, it was always going to happen. Tell us about the rest of the story of, the, of this round, boys.
7: Man, uh, respect where it's due. Like you guys were the hardest round of the day. Uh, I mean, there's, uh, there's a few times there where the coaches are walking around letting me know that like, uh, oh, by the way, shit's going bad. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, Ooh, <laughs> sweet. Okay. Um, so yeah, like you guys had a few good players in that lineup. Like, uh, your tower player, um, obviously your captain, Alexander. he's a beast. Like he's just a weapon. Um, yeah, it was tough. We, we thought we did pretty well in pairings. Uh, just a few guys had probably scores that weren't as accurate as they should be. Um, but, you know, that's, that's going to happen, especially on day one uh, when everyone's kind of just settling in, especially at the end of that day, like a 13-hour day or whatever the hell it was. Like, exactly
1: right. It's a long freaking day, and um, yeah, going into that round, uh, everybody was wrecked. Everybody was absolutely wrecked. Uh, it ended up being a hundred to sixty, so you did get over the line pretty comfortably in the end. There, I, I'm of the opinion. I don't know if you guys are the same. Anything a hundred points or over is a is a solid win. Anything a hundred and five to a hundred and you know hundred and fifteen is comfortable. Anything more than hundred fifteen is pretty much a decimation. Is that how you guys see it as well? Yeah, yeah, well, I agree.
7: Like we we were aiming for three digit plus wins on all the day one, but but, uh, yeah, it, it was difficult. Like, you, you, got, you guys are definitely the toughest opponent in the pod, which is um, uh, unexpected, to be perfectly honest. you would love to hear but, it. Um,
6: you know, Adam, going into this, I don't know that many names, but, you know, um, your, your captain, um, Alexander, I, I played him in the singles in 2019, and I have mad respect for the skills of that man. Like, he's honestly an absolute unit when it comes to playing movement and rapping. He, he was honestly such an amazingly high-skill-level player. Did he
1: take any points off you? I didn't didn't, didn't didn't play him. Never Um, mind. (laughs) (laughs) All good. So yeah, going in at the end of day one, you guys have made it through the pod in flying colors. What was your feelings going into day two? How much did you? How much sleep did you manage to get between day one and day two? Because I know, like, if you guys are anything like me, I go back to my room at about one o'clock in the morning after scrambling some food and running into three different packs of people I got stuck in conversation with. How was it for you guys? You got sleep? <laughs> <laughs> I did. <laughs> bro, Bro, that schedule was rough. It actually was. Like, there, there's no
6: if buts, and maybes about it. So
7: I get back to the room, and I'm like, oh, what time do we have to be back there tomorrow? It's going to be like 10 o'clock or something, right? And it's yeah. Captain's meeting, 8 o'clock. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> Sweet man. <laughs> Rough. Uh, so, you guys knew your, your next round pairing, though, because you guys played against Sweden um, first up the next day. Yeah. We did. Very strong, very strong national side, very strong team. Um, how did you guys conceptualize going into this round, and what was the story of it?
7: Yeah, I think um, I'll leave the actual games to Liam because he had a pretty interesting one. But uh, going into the round, we, we hadn't looked at Sweden's lineup before the event. Uh, like, like I said, we went through m- most of our focus was on our pod, and then a couple of the the uh, top contenders. So we hadn't actually looked at the list yet. Um, so we're all sitting at the table, going, bringing up their list, and we're like, "God, oh dear, we, <laughs> we, we pair shit house into this lineup." <laughs> <laughs> so um, so it's like it's like midnight, and we're sitting there saying, "Okay, cool." <laughs> so one, we pair terribly in this lineup. It's midnight. I just mean, you have to actually put some thought into how we're going to handle this, because it's going to be rough. <laughs> mm,
1: interesting. Liam, tell us about your round. How'd it go? Um, yeah, so
6: I ended up playing uh, the legendary uh, Rickard Nilsson, um, oh, who beautiful. we both swapped shirts with, added each other on every sort of social media, and was uh, honestly one of the greatest sports I've ever played in any game, any game of 40k across many tournaments. Um, Ricard was playing AdMech, um, and he has a reputation for playing TTS events and is a really well-known, highly successful AdMech player, both in person and in TTS. The thing about Rickard that I really want to sort of um, just harp on just for a sec is that he is the most by intent player I've ever played. Um, a lot of the Swedish players actually had uh, the WTC maps printed out with like colored in triangles on them that dictated what the line of sight vectors were wow. on the different maps. And he basically put that down on the table and said, if you want to hide your units, this is where you do it. And this is where you can't, which was like the most transparent and, and by the book, holy
1: holy crap Uh, it
6: was pretty hilarious actually i so just funny story to start while we were deploying i actually put the king in a ruin and i was like i don't reckon you can get line of sight to this model and he pulls out his diagram and goes you are correct and it was just it was was just pretty funny um it was a really rough game for ricard um i I went first in that game too and he deployed very very aggressively on one side of the table with the idea to get quite good line of sight against me um because i went first i kind of threw everything down his throat and because of, um, I think he could have used scout moves a little bit better to move backwards. He actually moved forwards, and part of what that meant was that I had tri-pointed, wrapped two different units in his turn one, and it kind of snowballed very, very quickly from there. Um, You know, uh, I killed all of his melee units, the unit of Rust Stalker's turn one. He had no melee units after that, and I was just locked in combat with him from turn one. Uh, It was really, really brutal uh, from there on out. Um, He killed a lot of my units, but at the end of the day, uh, 60 AdMech infantry and some bin chickens locked in combat <laughs> don't really do anything. I'm uh, uh, sorry, that's what I call them. That's uh, probably not uh, no. very nice. No, um, no, 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 no. They everybody, do look like Ibises to me. Everybody, uh, rough.
1: everybody forevermore, they are the bin chicken. They are they the are Ibis. The please chicken, look, so it, that, look it that up on a, YouTube and learn what the bin chicken is. If, if, if you, is you haven't seen what an science. Ibis is, Europe, please, uh, yep. please look it up. But yeah, so um, that was a big...
7: A games workshop, new... New model range, bin chicken. bin chicken. I think
1: we should FAQ them. The the, the, <laughs> the Leagues of Votan should get some official bin chicken bin models. Chickens. Um but, is just martian for bin chicken. <laughs> yeah. So that, that
6: was a that was a really big 20-zero um, win to me. He got zero primary uh, over the entire game, which is very, very rough. Um what was really cool about this round for Team Oz is that this was probably a round where I think we really got into the groove, sort of like Eric said, um, I think in that First three rounds, some people were finding their feet, sort of adjusting their matchup. But in this round, our players sort of all did what their jobs were. You know, like our our scrappy players going for points, Matt Morizzoli, Jeremy Martino, and Chris Wright all got 12s or 11s. Um, Eric got a a 12-8 in a reasonably tough game. Simon fought hard for a 10-10 draw. Hayden only just lost his game, and and I got a big win, uh, 20-0. So sort of all the players, kind of the shoe fit in that round. So Even though it was a really tough round and we paired badly, uh, on behalf of you know the pairings team, um, Eric and Jeremy and Matt, who did a really good job. Everyone kind of did their roles.
7: Beautiful. You love and, to hear it. Uh, just touching on my game, when you look at a tyranny list with six can't at twelve thirty in the morning, and you miss that the whole its whole thing is built around <laughs> being in cover with plus two to its save, and you realise after you start shooting at them, <laughs> probably not the best plan you could have. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's it's, a yeah. failed morale. That is, a, fail, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That is a, a nice six. I roll my rock grind into a kind of effects, like, guy oh, yeah, this, all these at AP2s. Like, yeah, two ups. And I was like, yep, sweet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love to hear that even like, you're one of the best players in the world, Eric, one of the best reputations for pairings and captains, that people at this level can still make a mistake. Fatigue is still a factor. People are, at this level of the game are still human. Um, that 's pretty awesome anyway, the round ended up being a ninety two point to six ninety two to sixty eight win so seven points less somewhere, like if all those people who scrapped for twelves and eights and whatnot all get one or two points less each this is a this is a draw straight up, so it was not a comfortable win but it's a win nonetheless um jumping into round five, we have you guys going up against da, 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 who is it u s the u s of a Oop. this was a big deal. This was a, a big round for Australia. Um, America was coming in touted as having, you know, a, a compilation of some of the best players um, in the world at singles, and everyone was so far in awe of uh, what they were doing in the team's side of things. So how did you guys shake this up? You guys ended up getting an 84-76 to 76 draw, so Australia got the smaller side of the draw. America getting the larger side of the draw. Two, two points difference in anybody's score, America gets a win. Um, what happened here? Tell us the story.
7: And I... Um... Before before we actually walked over to the pairings table, just had to take the lads outside for a sec, and just remind everyone that regardless of reputation on the internet and what we see online, all that sort of stuff, they're just they're just another player, just like us. Like they're playing the same game. So just had to calm everyone down. Uh, no, it's not not to say people were scared to play them; just everyone's been anxious, a bit like excited to play people with that sort of reputation. Like it's it's obviously a big deal. Um, so just just keeping everyone chill before we walked into a round like that. That was probably the most difficult part of things, I think. That was, in my mind, for me as captain, is harder than playing the games, uh, just keeping everyone on track and keeping everyone relaxed. Uh, that was difficult. Like, shout out to Nick uh, Nanabati as well. Just like 2019, he, he actually gave us the hardest run in the pairings process out of anyone we paired against.
1: Wow, big accolade.
7: Yeah, so me and Jez felt like we uh, we out-paired, uh most of the teams or all the teams that we... Uh, paired against, uh, except for Nick, he did a really good job at um, kind of predicting what sort of direction we wanted to take in the pairings. Uh, so, a yeah, big shout out there. He is a, a beast at doing pairings. <laughs> Dude,
1: great to hear. Um, Liam, who'd you play against and how'd your game go?
6: Um, so I ended up playing uh, Anthony Vanilla, who had been spending a bit of time <laughs> with Team Oz uh, during the event. I really want to shout him out. It was an awesome, fun game. We actually had a lot of laughs throughout, very, very by intent the whole way through, which is always what you want at this level. Um I kind of felt at this point in WTC that I had spent an ungodly amount of time trying to kill Tyranids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd played a couple of Tyranids players in the singles and I ended up, this was my second Tyranid game already in the team's event. And so I'd spent a lot of time preparing for this game. Um, it was really, really rough because uh, uh, Vanilla was playing a lot of Tyranid warriors um, and I spent, a, I've got a lot of experience playing that matchup. It ended up being a 19 one win to myself and, um, With a couple of very, very funny moments, including a chronomancer uh, blowing up a hive tyrant from four wounds with a little lance, just sort of like, like yeeting him off the table, which is very, very funny. Um, And and a single, sorry, a single, a unit of uh, two scarab bases rolling a six on their advance, which is the only roll they could have got to possibly steal an objective from him. Uh, So if, if, you know, there's going to be two points in any game, I claimed two scarabs, claimed those two points. Um, it, It was pretty rough. And um, it was very, very funny. We had a lot of laughs. We traded shirts afterwards and we had a few beers. Really, really good
1: morale throughout that game. Uh, I'll just shout out to our Art of War Down Under's very lovely Tony V who uh, was a fixture in the Australian camp for most of this, uh, ingratiating himself very nicely with a lot of the Australian players. I think he's very well loved down under now. And he has a nice warm place anytime he wants to come visit in like a multitude of different states. So absolutely showed his class. Uh, so well done. You made it out of that round with a draw against what some people thought of as a podium likely uh, side. Um how was it, But how was morale for the team going out? because you'd just taken a draw you you just like bled for the first time this event
7: man, we were actually on top of the world to be, be honest <laughs> yeah, tell us why uh, I actually think it's because at a certain point in the round, like a few things had gone considerably worse than expected um so morale was was taken a dive mid round uh so when you're on the losing side of things, when you're staring down the barrel of a loss. And a couple of lads pull some points out and, and get us the draw, uh, like it, it kind of works in our favor. We get this big morale boost. It's like, oh, we're still alive. Like we're still kicking. This we we can't go down now. Like it's it's all good. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, Whereas where I actually think it had the the opposite effect on the American team. Um, not not just I'm not just saying that because of the results of day three, uh, but when you when you're looking like you're in a good shot for a round win and it gets taken away from you that that's obviously going to affect morale in a negative way, so I think I think it worked out as good as it could for us, obviously with the exception of actually getting the win um yeah, I think it all in all it worked out in our favor, which is awesome everyone went into and into day three on top of the world, like everyone was ready to go.
1: fantastic, you'd love to hear it going into a day three uh it's time for it's time for a revenge story. We love a beautiful revenge story here in Australia, especially <laughs> on those that sent us here. It's Australia versus England, um, <laughs> and this is not only revenge for the colonization and uh, you know all our sh- shackle draggers ending up down under, but also because of what happened in 2019. Do you, uh,
7: either one of you guys want to take up that story? You want to take it, Liam? or do you want me to start it?
1: Nah, so I, I'm I'm
6: happy to kick it off. Um, you know, 2019, Serbia, uh, we're playing um, pretty much for for the win at the uh, ETC there, and it's uh, England versus Australia. Um, we had some really, really tough games and some really, really um, some games that both didn't go our way and some things that didn't go our way. Um, pretty funny, actually, uh, 2022 playing against England was my first experience playing any English player because in 2019, when we played Team England, I played Nick Nunavati. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so I, I actually uh, ended up uh, never playing any of the Brits. Um, so th- this was a, a good experience for me to actually play one of the English players. Eric, what do you think?
7: Obviously, the English team is. Uh one of the favourites going to the event so we had to respect their talent but honestly it felt like they were a little lost during the pairings process uh, I, I felt like they didn't know how to handle our lineup, um, and, and I just don't I, I don't know it didn't feel like they put the practice into our team um, uh, like I I felt like we were in control the whole time um, so that was which was epic. Like we, we, went into that round looking at our pairing sheet, saying we got this voice. Like we're going to crush them.
1: In uh, saying that, um, you did win comfortably, ninety-five to sixty-five. So there's a good ten-point buffer there between you and the draw. Not um, not a, not a three-digit win by any, by any means. England certainly had. They changed a couple of things. Could have easily gotten this a lot closer. Um, what were in? What were the stories of the rounds? Who brought it home for Australia? Oh, for this round, uh, sorry.
7: Obviously, Liam, Liam again, just doing God's work. Um, we're pairing him into games that he, we're just pairing him into games where he told us he's going to get a good result, and he delivered every time. Amazing! Uh, so that was our job. Uh, big, big Uncle Jez just pulling one over on Tony Chu. That was epic. Uh, like Jez again turned into some tower slayer. Like Twenty nine <laughs> randomly gets allocated to be. All right, you're diving on the tower every time.
1: Dude, I I need to tell you guys that that is a story that has been coming up f- through the other two segments as well. Like you would just have a player that was a specialist into a matchup. I mean, I uh, already already talked about it a little bit off there. The uh, the Harlequins player for Team Poland was just a Ashurani slaying behemoth against all the top sides. And you're saying Jeremy, who played the sisters, was the same against Tao?
7: Yeah, like every time. Uh ah, spoiler alert. Scrapped again with Skark in the last round. <laughs> big deal. Yeah, he's just a, he's a unit. Um, I, got, I got to play against the Necrons, um, which was really good for us. Uh, I, don't, I feel like they didn't understand how that game was going to go. Um, so I, I put a big 20 20 on their Krons, which is pretty hard to. background's pretty hard to make back when your
1: crons even lost everyone if there was any list in the in in people's lineups they were expecting a minimum of 15 points from at all times it was everybody's necrons everyone and i can say this from from most teams when they put up their when they got their necrons appearing everyone was working to make sure their necrons got them a decent amount of points because it just seemed like the list that was always going to give you what it what it offered like it was the one that was the most reasonably to expect it was always going to get a good score you know um yeah and so yeah put flipping flipping the the necron game is an absolute absolute genius absolute beautiful bit of tech there all right we're going into the last round it's all up for grabs playing against poland on the final poland the the literal measuring stick of for international teams if you and i said this in the previous one if you want to know if you're any good play poland and if Poland puts you in the bin, you have got some work to do. And if you put them in the bin, uh, you're a monster and probably are shoo-in for a podium. So you guys are here now. This is the, the, what is what is awkward about this. And I was a bit anxious four years going into this one um, because this is the same position we were in in 2019, and I really didn't want to see history repeat it. But it was a bit different from then because there was almost there was almost no way you could drop off the podium. Yeah,
7: yeah, yeah. Which was that was a a nice. Emotional safety net to have. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, so tell us about this round. How was your pre- How was your preparation? This. How did the pairings go? Um, and then tell us about your games.
7: uh so same same thing with the prep. Like once we found out we're playing Poland, uh, I was i uh, Have a look at the mission. Go through our pairings as a team. Talk through some important ones. Uh, talk through some likely ones. Um, but I think a big deal was just just taking the team outside for twenty minutes or so to just chill out, have a joke laugh about some stuff, just try to take the edge off a bit.
6: Slap each other with socks.
7: Yeah, <laughs> yeah Jez Spurgeon out, Copping Soli's socks to the face. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, nah, I think we went in with pretty good morale. Um, I know there was a bit of chatter before pairings, like, oh, we could pair safely and, and be content to draw. And come second or third, and I think we decided we're going for the win, man. Like
1: Poland said exactly the same thing. They said we could pair safely and go for the draw, and depending if we get the top side of the draw or the bottom side of the draw, always going to get a podium, doesn't matter. Um, but they said, no, nah, that's not what we're here for. We're going for the win as well. So absolutely a testament to both of you is that you both went into this round trying to win it because, you know, second and third's fine. But first is first, baby. First is first. And it's... It feels good. Uh, so this ended up being 68 to 92. So the same scoreline you had, I think, was it verse... Uh, I can't remember. But that was the same scoreline. It was seven-point seven point differential, um, which would change this from a win into a draw. Jeremy played against Skark, who we've just learned in the previous segment, is one of the best players in the world. Been to every single WTC, ETC, possibly the most experienced player at that level in the world. How did that game go, and what did you guys do to make that happen? Because there's a little bit, little bit of story behind this.
7: Yeah, so yeah, just going back to the pairings, um, we we actually played a bit of chicken with them in the pairings. Uh, we, we we're kind of bullying them with mirror matches. Uh, so we we figured a team like Poland is probably too, you know, kind of similar to us, where they they don't like resting games on the back of a dice roll of who goes first. Um, so there there was a time where we were sitting and looking at a pairing starter. We are like, guys, looking at this, the tower is going to come up next. They're going to put their tower up. And we we did not have a good answer for it after I was out of the pool. <clears throat> um, so we're looking at it like, okay, we could put Jez and Soli, we're pretty convinced they're going to put themselves in. Um, and that was looking rough. Uh, like we, so we were sitting there hoping we wanted to find a way for the tower to take Jez to take our sisters. Um, I was of the opinion putting the dark elder in was not going to do that for us. They were just going to bank a big win, especially what I, happened to solely against Jack Harpster. So we'll, we'll be, be nervous about that one. Um, so I was like, well, I don't think they're going to risk a, a coin flip. So fuck it. Let's put our tower in. Uh, That thankfully, they didn't know. We absolutely didn't want that matchup.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so you absolutely did not want the mirror. You thought the mirror would go their way if
7: they took it? Yeah. Uh, So I was was talking to Dark. I was like, can you win this game if he goes first? He's like, absolutely not. I'll get smashed. I said, can he win that game if you go first? He goes, yeah, he still can. I was like, okay, this is bad. (laughs) I was like, "Uh, fuck it. I don't reckon they'll do it. I don't reckon they'll take it. They won't risk it. Um so we put Duck, our tower, and our sisters into their tower and they hand us back the refuse card. We're like, me, Jez, and Soly all look at each other, like, uh, flip it over, and they gave us back our tower. We're like, thank God.
1: So just to just to put that into perspective for people, this is the top level of competition. This is the Olympics, and this is the last significant thing that Australia could do to shake up the pairings before things just kind of fell into place a little bit. Um, And so instead of doing a safe thing and throwing somebody under the bus in order to get the towel list of Skark, who's a freaking juggernaut, um, get him out of the pool and just throw somebody in the bus, they're like, how do we position this to go into our kind of trap card, which is the sisters matchup that Jeremy is super tuned into playing into Tau against. And so to do that, you offered him a matchup that he probably would have won anyway, but optically, just looking at tower versus Tau, it's a coin flip. It's who goes first wins. And I'll, I'll tell you right now, I literally recorded with the Polish players yesterday, and Skark was their 20-0 getter. He was literally existed to go and get 20 os, And that's been his modus operandi. He's a... He's a, he is a 20-0 archetype player. He plays at the level to go and annihilate people with math. And so when you offered him the unpalatable 50-50 on paper, he chose to go with the one with uh, the devil, devil he knows. And so you guys played that perfectly and uh, well done to you. Because what happened after that? Well, it's kind of
7: funny. Uh, we, we ended up putting Liam forward after that um, and it- it almost felt like they tried to do the same thing we did, and they gave us the Necromiro as an option. And then uh, I think it was their, I feel like it was their Tyranids. Yeah, it was oh, the, the, to be honest. Yeah. yeah, it was the Tyranids. Yep, definitely. Because Jackson was left over against the Dracari. Yeah, so they, they put the same thing in. So I think they were expecting us to maybe do the same thing, um, where what would have happened then is Duck would have played the Crons, Liam would have played the Nids, which probably ends up with a a pairings projection in their favor um but it, it was kind of funny before we even started pairings like we were sitting outside when we we're looking at our data i asked liam i'm like how do you think you go in this necron mirror because i reckon it's going to happen uh, so we spent a bit of time talking about it liam tells me i'm going to get a 14 like, okay so they give us the option of the necrons and i don't think they were expecting us to take the mirror like uh don't think they were expecting us to do the same thing they did. Yep. Uh, and then big, uh, big Liam delivers, as always, brings back 14. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, so, that was, so that was huge. That kind of let the, all the rest of the pairings, us knowing that we wanted the Necron Mirror, when they gave us the option, we knew that pairings in the back end was all going to land in our favor. Uh, so we had Duck into the Nids and then Jackson's Melee Knights into Drakari. Uh, so all of those games were favourable for us, uh, which is interesting because I found out, um, you were saying before, Adam, when you interviewed the Polish lads, that uh, they, they thought the nids had the upper hand in our tower. Uh, yeah, I believe they did. Yeah, I believe they wanted that matchup. Yeah, so I mean, that's that's pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, so that, that led us to, I don't know, it gave us a big morale boost going into the games. So everyone's like, we fucking got them. Like, this is ours. We just got to deliver on our points now. Um. So that was huge, man. That was uh, it was really good. Like, hats off to Typhus. He was really good. Yeah, he, uh, he, he knew what he was doing with pairings, obviously, to get the Polish team that far. Um, but yeah, I think we I think we might have just outfoxed him in that one. Crazy
1: to think that
7: you at this at this level of competition,
1: all the chips on the line, first place up for grabs, and you go for a not not quite a hail mary, but you you risk it. You you do play a little bit of risk um involved and I I'm here for it I think it's amazing to hear to hear these little stories behind the events um so yeah like i said ended up you guys won 68 to 92 to australia australia wins the whole damn thing i'm on the other side of the room i hear I, i'm running over like at, uh, my opponent's in his movement phase i'm like i'll be right back and i run over and i annoy two or three of the coaches being like how's it going how's it going tell me tell me tell me and they're like shut up adam go away i'm like okay i'll be right back and i go back and he roll i see his advanced rolls and he's moved and stuff and he does his shooting phase and moving phase i'm like okay cool tap the clock to me and start on my movement phase <laughs> run 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 annoy i know a couple of coaches what's going on it was pretty funny um, uh, we didn't talk about this by the way uh, firstly congratulations again for winning um, how many support staff did Australia bring and tell us their names they need as much of a shout out as any of the other boys because they spent just as much money as anybody else and put in a hell of a lot of miles
7: yeah man uh, so when we were building the team I was of the opinion that um, more is just better like there's, there's if they're happy to come there's literally no downside having more dudes uh, so we had big Denith Lego Masters <laughs> uh Liana Gama, not not Lego Masters. <laughs> 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 uh, so, yeah, so Denise, uh Pete Patel is an ex Australian captain, um, Wayne Russell and Josh McMillan. Uh, so yeah man, I, I can't thank these guys enough. Like without the coaching staff, we I, I don't think we would have won. They did heaps for us, just making our life easier. Just little things like setting up our tables once the pairings are allocated. Um, even just moving our crap around the event, like making sure we're hydrated, all that sort of stuff during the rounds, it's just really good. There's absolutely no downside of any of that at all. I uh, would recommend bigger coaching crew for any team, uh, any team wanting to do a bit better. It, in my opinion, the more coaches, the better.
1: So 100%, 100%. just 100%. just to encapsulate it, the Germans brought four. The Poles technically bought three, but of course Typhus had to end up playing, so they had two, um, but they had planned to have three, and you guys had four, so it just goes to show anybody at home if you're having um, a larger scale advance it's just a multiplier you've got to have I reckon it's one per two for two playing staff or one per three at a minimum um, but yeah take take that on board as you will for your own applications, Liam. Some of these boys are your boys. I know. I know Wayne is one of your lads. I know Denise one of your close friends. Having them along for the journey. I know Pete was the was the captain for, for myself, yourself, and Eric in 2019. Part of the reason this team exists. Um, how much did this does the coaching staff mean to you, Liam? Uh, it meant more than I can put to words. You know, a lot.
6: What what Eric said is true, but I think it even goes beyond that. You know, I really felt like the coaching staff were both. Um, you know your moral support and your Formula One pit crew all yeah. in one. Yeah. Um, d- during games, it's not just like water and snacks. It's if I need an FAQ or if I need a judge, uh, the the coaches are there. If I need them to look up a rule in my opponent's codex, the 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 coaches are there. If I need to hear how the round's going, deneat's there with his data projections and his board. Um, Wayne or Josh McMillan are there with like food and snacks. But you know, and between rounds, they're there not just to drum up support and morale, but also to sort of insulate the team as well against a lot of the the stress that comes with an event of this size. Annoying, I
1: mean, annoying bastards like Adam running over at the bottom of every turn to see see what's going on. Yeah, yeah I mean, they're, they're
6: there to be bouncers,
5: sometimes. <laughs> yeah, from, uh, from Adam totally running over security. In- <laughs>
1: but no, like in all honesty, you know, I think a lot
6: of teams, um, or at least you know, some people have the attitude that the coaches are like water boys, and it's not that at all. The analogy that Denise uses, and I 100% tout it too, is that coaches are like a Formula One pit crew. They keep the drivers working and they keep the team and all of the data and the behind the scenes stuff going, which helps more than you can put into words when you're playing at this level, especially in this last round. You know, for example, um, my opponent and I uh, in the Polish round, uh, Tomaz, we were we nearly ran out of time between us. Uh, we looked up a whole bunch of rules. We got judges, not in a nasty way. It was just, it was an intense game, obviously playing playing for the win. And the Australian coaches, we, I, I had someone by my table for the vast majority of that game, not just helping out with getting the judges, but also having someone there helps morale-wise. It keeps you calm. It keeps you knowing that you've got that support behind you. It, it, it helps so
1: much mm. and big big props to, to what, the only one we didn't mention there was uh Macca, um josh mcmillan um essentially he was a little bit of a little bit of, in a little bit of isolation in new south wales but he was a big reason that uh chris was able to come well i think at least um having him having chris having a support person in his own state i think was a really big deal and uh someone you know of a of a certain caliber to practice against so props to to Macca as well
7: um definitely yeah. did an awesome job I just want to say a big, big thanks to Denith. Like all the all the legwork that lad put in pre-event, sorting out all the FAQ packs and lists and terrain maps and all that stuff. Like all that stuff was epic. All of it was helpful. Uh, yeah, he did an amazing job. And on the day, he was incredible. And also, big shout out to Macca because the the week that we had in a bit of a training camp before we left, uh, that guy was the punching bag for all like seven of us. Like, mad, mad. <laughs> he, so many sisters games into us and that poor guy was (laughs) he was a rough first week holiday so big thank you to him fantastic Uh, all
1: right transitioning to our last couple of questions before we wrap up this segment naturally it's blown out we knew i was going to go i knew i was going to gush over you guys quite a bit um what if so we'll start off with you ez because you've been a big part of defining this i believe for for my country what if anything defines australia's national identity at the world level
7: in a word snowflake <laughs> love it yes continue now nah, so i think um i know we, we've often had like this uh reputation of just playing weird trash lists um like you said i getting spoken a lot about on the internet it's like it's like we, we, we do see that <laughs> we do see people saying stuff like that um but honestly i think we're genuinely a few steps ahead of the the meta like um, I know people can disagree with that all they want uh, I think we've proved them wrong <laughs> nice well um, we're at least 12 hours ahead of the meta right <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like we like they they might look at our sisters list for example like why don't they have this why don't they have retributors why don't they have a castigator so well, we, we've kind of been at that step to move past it uh, so yeah we like just, just small things like we find okay yep yeah, sure the tools that you guys are liking yep for a singles event I agree we'd take that stuff no worries uh, but we've moved on from that, found a new job and a new role for each faction in each list. Uh, so we've gotten rid of the tools that aren't helping with that and pivoted harder into what is going to help with our goal, for the army.
1: And that all comes from a, f- a foundation of knowing you have, like, a couple of the best heads for pairings in the world. Like yourself and Jez, you're able you, – you, you, you have the confidence of being able to go to your players and being like, you can take out that 200 points of that crap, you're never going to play players where that matters – chuck this chucking more that makes you better against this blah 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 blah.
7: is that right yeah 100 percent, man 100 percent. so like our which was a good example we're like okay if you're bad into because i know there's a point in time where ducks like arms oh, i think i'm going to struggle into armor contempt unless i take more eyes to my rifles all that sort of stuff and we will just like don't worry about it pivot harder into fighting nids fighting crons so we did and they're for the most part they're the matchups we got him fantastic liam same
1: question what do you think defines a, the Australian identity at the the world level
6: I reckon it's uh, faith in the individual players sort of bu- building on the, um, the what Eric said about being a snowflake I think uh, the team as a whole works on the idea that uh, everyone knows their own list they know their own faction and if you say you're going to get a certain number it, it's the belief that that you're correct there's no there's not any second guessing there's the sort of faith that the players can deliver what they say they're going to deliver and, you know, that, that kind of leans into the faith we have in our pairings team, too, that, you know, if Eric comes to me in that last round and says in the cron mirror, what are you going to get? Are you, like, what do you think you're going to get? I say 14. That's not me under or over projecting. That's me saying that's what I think that's what I think I can get. Uh, and um, that's what I delivered. And that, that I think, uh, corresponds with 85 plus percent of the pairings of the team. I think they did a really, really awesome job because we have faith in each other. That's kind of what it's been about, not just reinforcing that your list is unique, but that it's perfect for you as a player, that you can deliver on it because your skills match the list that you brought. Um, It's a, you know, Denith as well, and I've heard Eric say a similar thing too, a champion team doesn't necessarily mean a team of champions. And so having a cohesive team um, means that every player has a role and every person brought a list to achieve that role. And so it's about having faith in the people to do
1: exactly that. Fan freaking fantastic, gents. And on that note, we will wrap up this last segment and wrap up the episode. I want to thank you again for everything you've done for my country personally, uh, from the bottom of my heart. And I don't want to say on behalf of all of Australia, but on behalf of all of Australia, <laughs> thank you very much for representing our nation so perfectly, so incredibly well. Uh, and, and I just want to point out to everybody at home once again not only did these guys win the first ever WTC came first, but they won best sports. They did it by being gentlemen, by being meme lords and by being a good time. So to have both of those accolades at the same time, I think is an absolute testament and shows the caliber of the team. And once again, thank you very much for what you did putting Australian 40K on the map. Couldn't, couldn't be more grateful to you. Um, Eric, thank you for coming on very much, mate. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your brain. Thank you for what you've done and being captain of this team. Um, let us know if you're going to stay on. In part two, maybe. But no, I'm joking. Um, uh, thank you very much, Liam, for being an absolute freaking behemoth, mate. You, you, sh- you should have a high fleet named after you. High, high fleet, Liam. High fleet. High fleet, normal Jugs. High fleet, four hats. Um, <laughs> uh, high a, fleet, forehead. Forehead. Anything you guys would like to plug uh, before we tune out?
7: Uh, I, I just want to say a big thank you to the Australian 40K community. Um, you guys were awesome. You like, supported us the whole time. Uh we, we might not show it as much as we probably should on social media, but, man, we, we appreciate that something fierce. Like, that stuff really helped to wake up in the morning and see all these messages from different people uh, cheering us on, saying good luck, lads, or really well done, like or we'll be watching. Like, yeah, that was epic. Uh, so I just want to say thank you to everyone that was watching back home and a big thank you to all the partners for all the lads involved in the team. I know it would have been a stressful couple of years, <laughs> probably uh, for you, uh, but without, without their support as well, like I wouldn't have been able to take the team of lads that I took. So a massive thank you to them as well.
1: Beautiful. On that note, we will too. Actually, sorry. Who, who the hell are the normal blokes, the normal jokes? Who are these guys that I keep hearing about? Tell us a story.
6: <laughs> uh, very, very quickly. Uh, the Normal Blokes uh, is a podcast dedicated to improving the competitive 40K experience. You can find us everywhere you find podcasts. We are a pretty casual group consisting of uh, myself, uh, Denith, Lego Masters, Luke Pierce, and Jordan Bennett, and we love to have a chat about both tournaments in Australia and the meta overall. Um, we will be producing an episode later on today, and it'll be coming out um, pretty pretty soon, talking about the WTC as well. Um, and before I totally let this court uh, this curtain close, I also wanted to say, actually, from um, all of Team Australia, a big thank you to Tom, uh, Isaac, and Neil the hard work that went into running this event, not just because the event was run on the surface of the sun and it was a billion degrees, but also because the event ran really well. It was very, very professional. And to be perfectly honest, I, I would love to be back there again, uh, enjoying a primus beer uh, in the 30-degree heat. It was a really well-run event, and I think they really deserve recognition
1: for their hard work. Absolutely, they do, and for staying the course through two false starts, for, for like uh, after having the courage to break away from the etc, yeah. and then two false starts, you would have you would have forgiven them for dropping the ball and just being like, "Oh, we'll just go back to the status quo." They didn't. They trucked through, and because of that, we have one of the premier events in the world. Um, possibly the the well, the premier event in the world competitively, I believe. Um, so, yeah, thank you again to that incredible group of gentlemen. Um, happy to call them all friends. Happy to call you all two friends as well, boys. Congratulations as well. You amazing Um There's going to be so many bleeps in this segment. I couldn't give a shit. Uh You guys are amazing. I love you all. And thank you again for doing what you did for, t- for Australia. Take care. Good night. And we'll see you on part two.
0: Thank you for listening to Art of War Down Under